Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>
Yeah. But then they started back up with Rebirth, right? Yeah, with Rebirth, they restarted the numbering, but there was also a period of time where it was weekly, right after um, the post-crisis era, it went weekly. Okay. Anthology, and then it was bi-weekly. Basically, there's been a lot of futzing with numbers to get to, hey, what if 1,000 happened in the 80th year, you know? (laughs) Got it. So there might have been some creative uh, math there. So it's new math. It's new math. Oh. Math is math. Math is math. Uh, That's uh, coming soon. So soon. Uh, yeah, so we're very excited to have Colin back here. He is—he's uh, our Superman guy. We need Superman. He sure is. He's—he's he's the guy. So we—we we, uh, put up the, the, the House of L signal, and Colin responded. I, we don't really have that. Superman. No, we pushed uh, we, the the Sonic Watch. The Sonic Watch. We right. beat Jimmy Olsen up. Oh, took I, it from him. I thought you just took a green crystal and just threw it. Oh. <laughs> we'll get to the green crystal. We'll get to the green crystal. Oh boy! Before we do any of that. Uh, we got a, a couple of things to go over. Yep. First thing we're going to do, Bob. Let's go over the rules again. Thanks, Bob. Bob. So once we're done reviewing the movie and talking about it, we've got a couple questions at the end. Yep. And they are most valuable performer, favorite character, best scene, one scene we would cut, an actor having the most fun. Always our favorite question. Always our favorite. That's right. I'm list- I'm watching those right now. I'm like, man, how many of these can I make Christopher Reeve? <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we do any of that, since we are... Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking? Thanks, Bob. All right. So, you know, we, we did our best to uh, coordinate. Last <laughs> time uh, Colin joined us, we were able to get the same beer up in Syracuse that Colin got in New Jersey. Sadly, we we're not able to make that happen this time. So we've got two different beers both of which connect nicely to the movie. Yes. So up here in Syracuse, Casey, you and I are drinking Voodoo Brewing Company's White Magic of the Sun. Now, Voodoo <laughs> Brewing is located in Medville, Pennsylvania. They opened back in 2005. Their mission statement, the employee owners of Voodoo Brewing Company have taken our brewing experiences and quirky personalities and wrapped it up into a line of beers oriented around what we feel are fun, flavorful, and thought-provoking. We wish you enjoy our beers as much as we do brewing them. Cheers. I can get behind that. I totally can get behind that. So Superman, powered by that uh, big glowing ball in the sky, <laughs> that the white magic of the sun, it is their imperial white ale, spiced with coriander, bitter and sweet orange peel, juniper berries, and 12 varieties of peppercorns. Ooh. I got this uh, a week ago or a week and a half ago, a couple weeks ago, whatever one it was. It's been sitting in my fridge. I've been looking at this for two weeks, waiting to drink this. But I'm going to wait a little bit longer. So, Colin, do you want to tell us what you're drinking this evening? Well, as I uh, unfortunately did strike out on that, I got the Elementary Brewing Company, A-L-E-mentary. Look, it's a pun. Uh, <laughs> modular Double India Pale Ale. Whoa. Uh, nice. And if you are wondering what this might have to do with this film, Elementary Brewing Company is located in none other than Hackensack, New Jersey. Hey, that comes up in this movie. Which, without getting too much into spoilers, this brewery only exists because of Superman. No. What? Oh, right, 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 right. The- because Hackensack only exists because. Uh, I, <laughs> okay. I thought you meant like for literally like in real life. I'm like, <laughs> or at least because of Miss Tessmacher. That, no, that's Tess- true. Oh, she's the best. Okay, awesome. So, uh, <laughs> okay, so we're gonna do uh, two local and one remote uh, cheers here. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, see how hey, we we're did. not over the equipment. We're not over the equipment. Hooray! Oh my goodness! Oh, these are these oh, are good. Oh, Colin, I'm sad you're not. The next time you're up here, bro, 
we're totally having this. Yeah. Now, yeah, it sounds like it's delicious. Uh, well, of course, next time you come up here, we'll have to take a trip down to our friends at Branching Out Bottle Shop. Absolutely. In the greater Syracuse area here, located in Township 5 in the town of Camillus. Branching Out Bottle Shop is, uh, in my opinion, the most impressively curated collection of beers in central New York. Gotta get in there and see them. Uh, our friends Joel and Carissa, their fearless dog Barley, <laughs> possibly the greatest beer dog ever. Finally broke a bottle. He did break a bottle, right? Finally so there did. was a there was a uh, yeah, uh, but you know you gotta love barley, so you gotta you gotta give him that one. But as always, went in there looking for a beer and had a lot of fun with buddies over there finding the right one. So up here in Syracuse, make sure you check him out, Branching Out Bottle Shop. You know, the last time Colin was up, it was a quick turnaround, so unfortunately we weren't mm-hmm. we weren't able to get together. We I took him to Branching Out. Nice. And God love so there's Kurt. no time to see you, Todd, but there was. Time to see. <laughs> Listen, it's priorities. I'm not upset. Beer's priority. But uh, Carissa, yes, they had just gotten the uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation branded Captain's Holiday <laughs> yes, with the and, t- with the tiki motif uh, on the beard. First of all, it's a horgon. Oh, it's second <laughs> of all, it is for sexual prowess. It is le- <laughs> to let someone know that you are ready, right, Colin? The horgon. No comment. Oh <laughs> no! Are you afraid to show your Star Trek nerd on this podcast? That is correct. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So anyways, I, I asked Carissa, hey, how is this beer? And she went, it's a novelty beer. <laughs> yes, she was very diplomatic. But, like, wanted me not to buy it. I took two sips of it and went, nope. Yeah. I kept the bottle because it's real pretty, but that was uh, no bueno on the beer. So is that like the Riker special? Oh, oh, I don't want the Riker special. Oh, oh, oh. oh Jesus. Oh. Uh, all right. Okay. It was a fun trip down Star Trek. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so that's beers. Oh shit, we got a lot for this next section. Reshoots and reactions. Ooh, oh no. Yeah, we do. Oh fuck, I thought I was. I, you know, remember all those things you kept sending me? I was like, okay, adding them to the list. You're right. Okay, yeah. but before we do it, yes. Bob reshoots. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Uh, boy, we got a lot here. Oh no. Our good buddy uh, Pat uh, Patrick, oh, yeah. who's. Uh, Arguably our first fan. I mean, he was really kind of <laughs> literally from episode one. He was uh, he was on board. You're not wrong. Uh, so he he was listening to episode 16, Supergirl. So he just sent this in. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, "Good evening." In listening to the latest episode of Supergirl 1984, I'm currently at the Matt Frewer section. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I no. want to make a claim that Matt really wanted to be a superhero or something involving them. If you check his movie history, he's been in the following movies and TV shows. Supergirl, 84, the Incredible Hulk TV series in, from 96. So that must have been the movies they did, because they did like yeah. the 96. trial of the Incredible Hulk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Hercules, he's been in Hercules multiple movies. Must have been a voice in Gargoyles. Ooh, uh, Generation Gargoyles. X, the X-Men TV movie from 96. Oh, God, that movie. He's in Watchmen, as we talked about. He's Moloch. Sure. Uh, Iron Man TV series in 96. That must be animated. Animated, yeah. Uh, the movie Lawnmower Man. Wow. Yeah. And it's been a voice on Batman the Animated Series. Yep. So yeah, so Pat says, and an unlimited amount of exper- appearances of supernatural or super science movies and TV shows as an actor or voice actor. The man obviously could never land the lead role, but God, did, did he try to be next to one. Fair man, point. He's a good actor, but he's, he's a character actor. All right. So uh, great point there, Pat. Great observation. Again, listen, he's, uh, he's earned his spot on the TSPHC Army. All right, so we got another one um, from Sam Fryer. Uh, 
responding to your observations on Die Hard. Oh, no. Fair, the saga continues. The saga continues. <laughs> Fair point on Die Hard 2. I guess that one just always blended in with all the other ones for me. However, Timothy Oliphant's character's endgame in Die Hard 4 was, in fact, just another complicated thievery plot dis- disguised as terrorism. The cyber attack was meant to trigger a download of all the financial data from the stock market to the one facility that his henchmen controlled so they could steal billions of dollars. And see, I, it, I've, wa- I've seen that maybe twice, so good on you, Sam. Yeah, well I will done. 100% now agree Sa- to that. Now, Sam does point out that he never saw the fifth movie. but uh, Nor should you ever. <laughs> he said to anybody else, though. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, last reaction here uh, from an old friend of yours, a new listener to the podcast, Jason Palladino. Oh, yeah. um, Shared this on Facebook, and he was watching episode seven, Sky High. One of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I I do like that one. Um, So, episode seven, Ron Wilson, bus driver, is a callback for Bill Maxwell, FBI, in the Greatest American Hero TV series. Now, I watched that. In the original run on TV, because again, there's a period where superhero materials that was that was, that was as close as we got. Yeah, I don't remember that, but you know who I, did? Who did? Danny, Danny, secret nerd, my what? wife. Yeah, what? I, I said it. I said Ron Wilson, bus driver, was a play on whatever the name Bill was. Bill Maxwell, she goes, FBI. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, wait, what? I I love when she's secret nerd. So we've got to figure out so. Aubrey has the Queen's counter commentary with the royal horns. Uh-huh. What should be the angle when we get Danny to do something? Should it be like high tech, like sciencey? Like Ooh. we'll have to think about that. We'll think about that. We'll think about that. Okay. Now he's he's got another point here. So uh, reshoot for us in Sky High. We reference that Farva in the comic book panels at the end is fighting with a mop. He watched it with the family based on our review. Mm-hmm. Nice. Awesome. Uh, and he noticed in the scene with Nurse Specs after the placement scene. Uh, Cloris Leachman mentioned that Ron Wilson bus driver was the only person, only one person who had no powers, although both parents were supers that she knew of. And then the camera pans over to the window where we see Ron Wilson bus driver doing his best imitation of lightsaber boy. And he's using a mop. Oh, that's right. We said he was using a mop at the end. Uh, But it was uh, in the comic book panels. It was one of those stiff scrubber brooms. A push broom, yeah. A push broom, yeah. So well done. Well done. And also, uh, I don't remember what your tag is on uh, iTunes, but thanks for the shout out on iTunes too, Jay. Oh, my God. Phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. Five-star review. Absolutely. We'll get you a shout-out. It sure will. Um, so I think that does it for our reshoots and reactions. If we miss... Uh, no. I have one brief one about Supergirl. Oh, oh no. no. Please, go ahead. <laughs> How it should have never been made. Peter O'Toole is so not gay. <laughs> right. We figured that out during the right. podcast. I thought he was he's gay. British. He's just British. Well, he's, <laughs> I- he's Irish. Oh, that'll be well, a fight. Right? Actually, I think, he's, I think he might actually be uh, Northern Ireland. But yeah, but that's not Britain. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, mm-hmm. he um, it definitely one of the more um, accomplished Lotharios. Swordsman. Yeah, yeah, what was it? Was yeah. it like a yeah. thousand women he it was, said or some shit was, like that? Yeah. Holy crap. Good for you. And please get tested. I don't know about a thousand. I mean, uh, that's like Wilt Chamberlain. That's right. That's right. Oh, oh Ka- Colin, you almost got the spit take. Basketball game, so you got to find the time somewhere. <laughs> you almost got the spit take. And you weren't even here to see it. That's that would have been. Oh, Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, yeah, fair point. Um, so I had another reshoot as well. I reshot myself listening to <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen today. Oh yeah. Uh, we were talking about uh, at the end of that when we were watching the the trailer for Superman, uh-huh. and we were talking about 
the song with the lyrics, can you, you read my mind? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was not so bad. It was, um, was, it was, it was okay. Better uh, than Margot Kidder. Which oh. you referenced <laughs> that uh, when they were flying, because Margot Kidder cannot sing, she instead spoke the line, mm-hmm. can you read my mind? And I said, oh, is she doing like a Rex Reed talking of? Of course, it's Rex Harrison, Harrison. Yeah. Dr. Doolittle, oh, right? But funny you should say Rex Reed. There we go. There's a, yeah, I think we'll, we'll, <laughs> We'll, we'll get to him. We'll put a pin in that. All right. Oh, um, unfiltered beer. Oh. All right. So we don't need to talk about the background of Superman. I feel like we did that pretty extensively at Man if of Steel. If anyone needs to know, go to Man of Steel. It's all there, baby. Block out three hours. And <laughs> you, you're you not going to be disappointed. Not at all. But, it's uh, our it's number there. one episode. It, it is, yeah. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so All right. So we're not going to go back into the history of Superman, but we will typically talk about any production notes specific to this production and i have a feeling that we're going to have some i've got a couple oh yeah this is a quite a production all right colin you know as our resident superman uh, aficionado would you want to kick us off there the film had been kicking around in one form or another since the early 70s in the hands of uh, alexander and Ilya salkin yeah. who um they're you know yeah they're interesting characters to say the least but to their credit they were people who said hey, I think uh, the world could use a Superman movie and put up most of their own money to make it happen. Um, but uh, they later become sort of, uh, they, what is it, they live long enough to become the To become villain. the villains? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we talked about them a so, little bit in Supergirl, right? So they have a mixed yeah, legacy. Yeah. Salkind is named in DC Comics Hall of Fame because of his contributions to bring Superman to the screen. Mm-hmm. But there's also yeah. a boilerplate SAG contract <laughs> provision, the Salkind Clause. Uh, that prevents him from doing what he did in the three and then four Musketeers movies. Right, yep. yes, which which I remember you speaking about in Supergirl. Uh, so by the time this film was made, that had all blown up. In the, and so this film, they went in specifically planning to shoot two at once. Okay. Uh, that was always the plan. They weren't, you know, it wasn't like uh, three and four Musketeers, which are very good films, actually. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen either one. Oh, they're really fun. I've seen um, three. I've seen the three Musketeers. It is it is fun. It's cl- right. it's a classic. Yeah, I'll totally have to check yeah. it out. Um, so yeah, so the the plan was always to shoot both films. Once one thing that definitely led to the idea of doing two movies was that the initial script turned in by Mario Puzo of The Godfather. The God, fame, right, crazy. It was apparently five hundred pages long. Oh my god! Holy shit. And what is it like? Twelve minutes a page? No, no, one one minute a page is no, the one, usual. one minute one minute a page. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that's very very long. Now, very little of that script is apparently ultimately used because, um, they're, so they're going into production with the Puzo script, and after going through a bunch of actors, they settled on Guy Hamilton, who directed uh, Bond films, including Goldfinger. Okay. Oh. Okay. Um, so so they ran into some trouble because they wanted to shoot in the UK because they had the Bond studio, uh, the Bond, the uh, sound stages where they shoot Bond were perfect for this kind of huge production. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy, Hamilton, Guy Hamilton can't go to the UK because he's trying to establish non-UK residency to avoid paying taxes. The old British uh, tax mm-hmm. evasion, yeah. right? Like that's a... Exactly. By this point, the only reason they're getting the movie made is because they have managed to attach Marlon Brando. So they decide to go shoot it in Rome. And they find out, well, we can't take Marlon to Rome because there's a warrant out for his arrest for obscenity for the last tango in Paris. That's right. (laughs) 
The stick of butter, I'm assuming. Oh, no. Yeah. So, if it's a choice between Guy Hamilton and Marlon Brando, Guy Hamilton is going to go. Right. So, Guy Hamilton is let go, and they bring in Richard Donner. Uh, this is, I mean, this is after they had thought about maybe trying to get Spielberg, but they said, let's wait and see if Jaws bombs. Jaws is the biggest hit of all time. Uh, you know, up to up till then, and by then you can't get Spielberg. He's moved on to third uh, close encounters. Right. So they were they were assuming that if Jaws bombed, they could get Spielberg for cheaper. Right. That and was I, their strategy. No, I, I think it was if Jaws bombed, we don't want Spielberg. Oh. Oh. And everybody the, was so nervous about about making this movie that the idea was to attach as many successful names to it as possible. Wow. I mean, there's. Two Oscar winners and two Oscar nominees in this film. That's true. Oh, okay. Let's. Okay. Brando and Hackman. Right. Brando and Hackman each had an Oscar by then. Ned Beatty had a nomination for Network. Uh-huh. All right. And Valerie Perrine had a nomination for Lenny. Wow. So, you know, they're not fucking around. Nope. Um, so they get Don. Donner brings in Tom Mankiewicz to fix the script. Basically, Tom Mankiewicz writes the script, but the WGA uh, is a whole mess. So he gets a creative consultant, not a writing credit. And mm. Puzo goes, with it. even though apparently, according to Donner, they barely used any of Puzo's stuff. That's crazy. I, I, I saw those notes. Uh, that's just insane. I, I mean, the Mario Puzo, that's the one that I, I was that's the most surprised. So of all the crazy. things that I saw, that's the one that was most surprising to me. And I skipped most of that stuff. I was just looking up almost cast because there's some. Oh, that's a good so that's basically yeah. every actor in Hollywood in the 70s. Well, there's one that I kind of went, oh, well, that would have been a better choice. Oh, oh, we'll okay. get we'll get oh, there. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll 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 go through it in a second unless well, you have more, Colin. Can, no, no, I I you I want to see if you got all the same insane almost Superman roles. All right, here we go. Numerous actors were considered for the part. <laughs> That's an We've already said. Okay. I think I'm just going to go. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sam Elliott. Wow. Mm. Huh. Sam Elliott. Okay. Burt Reynolds. Robert yeah. Redford. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ryan <laughs> O'Neill. Jeff Bridges. John Van. Uh, John Michael Vincent, uh, Robert Soule, Robert Wagner, Christopher Walken, John Voight, Harrison Ford, Elton John. Whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa. Wait. Elton John? It gets, no, 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 no. It gets better. Ba- okay, please. Warren Beatty. Okay. And okay. Muhammad Ali. What? Yes, I can see Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Come on. Good for them I- for doing colorblind casting. In 75. I also, I also had Al Pacino, James Caan, Steve McQueen, and Clint Eastwood. Yes. I was going to get to, because Eastwood turned it down right away. Redford what? wanted too much money, and James Caan is quoted as saying, there's no way I'm getting into that silly suit. <laughs> I imagine maybe um, it was silly fucking suit, because it's James yeah, Caan. James Caan. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing I heard about Muhammad Ali, and this is from a, a pretty good making of documentary that, um, I, I'll send you guys the link. You can put it up on the website. Yeah, please oh, do. Please. On YouTube. Apparently, there was a list that came from DC, and DC, which at this point I don't believe was actually a subdivision of Warner's yet, um, they were really putting a lot of pressure to control the quality of this film uh-huh. and how their character was going to be represented. If only they I still think, did that. <laughs> I think that Muhammad Ali was on there, along with this, this list of other, like the list that they gave was apparently just, well, basically, they wouldn't have known this name yet, but they were basically saying, please don't hire Reb Brown. 
know what I mean? Oh, oh, that hurts so much. Oh, that's... do not get that guy. That guy, right? Oh, Lois, I'm Superman. Um, <laughs> a couple of those might have worked, but but I think that they were right to do an unknown. A hundred percent. Did you see who was offered Jorel? Uh, no. Charlton Heston. Oh, that God, one I, I saw. That. Yeah. Holy shit! That would have been great. Apparently, they said to Paul Newman, "You can play." Jor-El, Luther, or Superman, your choice. Yep. Please, um, please come play with us, Paul. Oh, did you um, see how much they offered him? No. I mean, the, the money must have been insane. $4 million. <laughs> well, that's a lot of money in 1978. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he said he was not interested in any of them. Now, at this point in the comics, had Muhammad Ali and Superman had their boxing match? That's a very good question. Yeah. I'm wondering if that was their tie-in. Like, we've done a comic book with him. Yeah. Perry White. They wanted, uh, I, I would have taken, I mean, um, Jackie Cooper's great. I don't want to disparage him at all. But some of the people on this list, Jason Robarts Jr., Lawrence Tierney. Why does that name sound he's, familiar? Isn't he from Reservoir Dogs? Isn't he um, yeah, Joe? Yeah, that's exactly who it is. He's the, he's the crime boss. <laughs> oh, my God. That would have been great. Yeah. Uh, Eli Walsh. Huh. Martin Balsam. Walter Matthau. <laughs> Come on. And Edward Asner. That's funny. I would have taken that. Well, you know, um, Jackie Cooper, originally Keenan Wynn was cast. Right. And he had a heart attack or something? Uh, like, it was, it was ill. He was very he, ill. Yeah, he, col- was, he collapsed with exhaustion. Exhaustion. Was rushed, yeah. Right. But I feel like they were just covering up a heart attack. Right. And they brought, yeah, and they, he didn't even see the script till he'd flown to England and started shooting. Yeah, he had like two days. It, it was a Viggo Mortensen situation. <laughs> <laughs> the v- yeah. Could they wait? Could they have cast Viggo Mortensen as Superman? Because I'd yeah. kind of be into that. Oh yeah. Okay, but uh, he would probably have to fight naked at some point. So I remember, <laughs> again, being uh, seven when the movie came out. Right. Sure. Uh, right. I remember there was this iconic cover of People magazine, which my mother read religiously every week, <laughs> and it was this iconic picture of Christopher Reeve as Superman, saying "It's Superman." Uh, so I just found it. We're going to share it on the website. TSPHC.com. It is from January 8th, 1979. So it's actually after the movie comes out, but it's talking about, it must be, because the movie was a hit, right? So we'll fast forward. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but I remember this cover, this iconic cover of Christopher oh, Reeve. Oh, and I love that they've got him as Clark at the bottom. Clark at oh, the bottom. that's great. But, in, but the, the text on the cover says it's Superman, a picture of uh, soups, and then, you know, Clark at the bottom. And then the kind of the tagline underneath the photo and it's Chris Reeve in the cape because McQueen was too fat, Stallone too Italian, Redford too expensive, and Eastwood too busy. <laughs> so, so even back then, it even wasn't back a then it wasn't a secret. So we'll share that on the website, but go check it out. It's pretty good. One more list. And a lot of these had screen tests, and they were on the Blu-ray uh, for Lois Lane. Okay. Ann Archer, Leslie yeah. Ann Warren, Stockard Channing. Who would be in the... So this was the number two grossing movie of 1978. Right, she, she of course, would be in number one. Yep. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Uh, Liza Minnelli. Mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand. Nope. Mm-hmm. Natalie Wood. And obviously, no, no. <laughs> yep. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> she would have been great. <laughs> she wouldn't have made it through all four films. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Oh, it's, it's. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it a too secret? Soon. She was murdered. Too soon. That's right. And the only reason it says, the only reason Marco Kidder was chosen is the fact that she saw humor in the line, what color underwear am I wearing? I saw that. So how can you not find humor in that line? <laughs> There's some good choices in there, though. There's one I'm leaving off specifically to tell you now. This is who I think would have made an amazing Lois Lane. Little actress by the name of... 
Carrie Fisher. Oh, oh yeah. She would have been but, an amazing but, Lois Lane. Yeah, she... I mean, now it's, so at this point, only Star Wars has been made. Right. But, but think, she couldn't have done... Think she couldn't Empire have done Strikes Back, Princess Leia. Oh, perfect. Lois Lane. Yeah, but she couldn't have... Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this leads to a perfect segue. Did, Colin, did you see who helped Chris oh, yes. Reeve get into shape? Yes. None yes, other I than did. Darth Vader himself, David Prowess. That's yep. amazing. That's crazy. And did you see who... Was one of the uh, DPs on this movie? Not DPs. Um, second unit? No, he was. There was a shit ton hey, of second units. Catering, catering craft services. No, <laughs> the, he he made sure the actors got to their spots. What is that called? What is that job called? Production yeah. assistant. Production assistant. Carrie Elwes. Yes, PA, the PA. And, and specifically, who was he tasked with with <laughs> chaperoning around the set? Marlon Brando. And did Marlon call him Carrie? No, called him Rocky. Rocky. <laughs> Because nice. fuck you, kid. Nice. Your oh, name's Rocky we'll, now. We'll get into. Oh yes, I have heard that story. <laughs> it's in his book, um, as you wish. As he you talks wish. about. Yeah, it. Yeah. Oh. Also, yeah. David Prowse trained Carrie Elwes for um, Princess Bride. What? That's insane. Sure uh, sure no, it was yeah. no, it was the guy who trained David Prowse. It was the guy no, who not, he didn't didn't train him in sword fighting. He trained him in having muscles. Oh, muscles. Oh, oh so yeah. there was a... He didn't... Oh, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Um, one last thing. What book was it in? It was someone's autobiography. I can't remember whose. Yep. Because that wasn't important to the story. What was important was kind of, you know, the joke that everyone always makes. How can people not recognize Clark Kent and Superman? Did any of you see the, this note? No, but I, but I want to talk about that scene where you exactly see why. And we'll talk, which yeah. we'll get to. Yeah. So Chris Reeve, when he was dressed as Superman, walking through Pinewood Studios. Yes, I did see this. The women practically just dropped their Swooned. panties right there. Right. It was amazing. And then when he'd walk through as Clark, no one, no yeah. one noticed him. Which it's right there is a credit. Well, okay, we'll talk about <laughs> Christopher Reeve later. All right. Oh God, he's so- a, a, a funny thing that I, I I did see that when they were honing in on Christopher Reeve, Donner went to see him in a play that he was doing in New York. Uh, down in the village, mm-hmm. and in that he was playing his own grandfather. Oh, oh that's where the Clark and physicality so, comes from. I mean, I don't probably not necessarily the Clark physicality, but I'm but sure just the difference. Like, wow, here's a guy who can do physical transformation. I mean, he's a Juilliard trained theater he, actor. Well, what, yeah, I want to talk about this scene, but I don't want to talk about it yet. Yeah, <laughs> all right, we'll get there. Let's see. So I feel like there's so I feel that, like there's so there's two things. So I'll put out the numbers because I like sharing this, right? Yeah, go ahead. So budget of $55 million, which <laughs> at the time was the most expensive film ever made. That's yeah. Not, like adjusted for inflation, that may be more than like Infinity it's, War costs. It's crazy, right? Um, and box office, $166 million worldwide. <sighs> smash success, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, and so we referenced this earlier, we have to talk about Richard Donner and his relationship with these films. So Casey and I watched the Blu-ray, which it's not the Donner cut because that's a reference to Superman 2. Right. But this is the one that Donner had a very strong hand in shaping, right. correct? In, in, in adding some scenes, sure. too, that we'll get into because, Colin, you just watched what was on whatever streaming I think platform. so. Okay. There was no Kryptonian Stormtrooper. Yeah, that oh, was a surprise yeah, to me. I was like, holy cow. moment. But do one of you guys want to talk about the Donner? Because again, that's critical to the to this series, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I Go mean, ahead, Colin. At this point, he had he was most well known for having done the Omen. So, oh right, know, Lethal Weapon, all that is in his future. Um, he had, he was the guy who made the Omen, which was a very successful film, and and what drew the attention of the Salkins. 
Um, and he really felt that he needed to step in and on some level be the advocate for Superman as an American icon. Uh, and, and really, he felt very strongly about it. And the best story that I think explains a ton about why the movie works and where Richard Donner was coming from is he had signs made. If you watch that documentary I was talking about, you can see him hold one up as they're, you know, he's doing his talking head interview that just reads verisimilitude. I, I saw that note. Yes. <laughs> and, and that sign hung in every production office at yep. the costume shop, at the, you know, at, at set design everywhere. The idea being that this needs to feel like a real world. You know, this we need to create a world and then obey its rules and hold all the camp at bay as best we can. Um, and it, that was not the script he inherited. I mean, the script he inherited had a moment where Superman thought he was collaring Lex Luthor and he got Telly Savalas's Kojak. And, <laughs> who loves you, baby? And, and, and Kojak said, yeah, hey, yeah. Superman, who loves you, baby? Uh, <laughs> God, I'm so glad that wasn't in the movie. So that would have been, you know... Superman that, 4? No, that would have probably been worse than Superman. So that's, oh, you know, God. so he's the exact opposite of the camp that we saw in Batman the movie, right? So it's the exact opposite. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. But unfortunately, Colin, he doesn't make it through, <laughs> through the production, right? So he th- finishes one. He doesn't finish two. About Got 75% I read through well, two. So the decision was made. So they, the movie was supposed to come out summer of 1978, and it was so behind schedule that they decided, and they because they were trying to shoot two movies at once, which is insane. Um, who would do that? Infinity War, Call of um, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, right. Back so the future they two and three. Uh, decided we're putting two aside. We're gonna finish one. The problem being that then they wound up taking footage that had been designed for two and putting it in one, yep. and not knowing exactly how they were gonna finish two. I mean, he managed to finish one, and it was because they pushed it from summer to Christmas. And they were going to go back and do two, and he never rejoined, which is probably a story for whenever you guys manage to pull two, but it's not a pretty one. And when we pull two, we will be doing the Donner Cut. The Donner Cut. It's just, there's there's no point in watching the other cut. After seeing the Donner Cut, you're just like, it's such a subpar movie compared to it. All right. And the Donner Cut did get a theatrical, I believe. I believe they put it in the theater before it came out on Blu-ray. So still counts, haha. All right, um, that's it from my production notes. Do you have just a couple of fun? Num- speaking of numbers, uh, Chris Reeve went from 188 to 212 pounds nice. in the six weeks leading up to the. Uh, yeah, good work. Darth Holy Vader. cow! Yeah, if you actually if you look at like well first if you look at Chris Reeve's screen test with Margot Kidder, he's which very, is yeah. he's very thin and he's also very sweaty. <laughs> Okay, so those pits. sweaty pits is making it to the oh, website. Oh, those pit stains! I'm like, Chris, just cross your arms. Just cross your arms, Chris. Oh God, stop doing the Peter Pan. I've seen that picture; it's um, horrible. Oh boy. And you know, we'll probably talk about it as we talk about what works and what doesn't in the movie. But just worth noting that nearly every uh, special effect designed to make Superman fly, they made up for this movie. Yeah, they 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 were inventing on the fly. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say now I'd say probably eighty percent of it holds up to today. I, I definitely want to talk about special effects. Yeah, yeah. There's only like two or three times that I went, ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't and work let, for and me let's at talk all. about that because you know, are okay. Yeah, let's let's, let's talk about for when we're okay. in the movie. Yeah. So it's boy, it feels like. Uh, Hang on. Oh, what's the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie? That's right, Todd. Oh, uh, <laughs> the Rotten Tomatoes jumped the fucking gun. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. I believe, if I remember correctly, the Rotten Tomato score for this movie is a 93%. You are 100% correct. Nice. Well done. Wow. That's, a, that's an that's impressive score. Super duper high. That's an A. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. 
Well, well uh, hold on. Yeah, let's, uh, let's save that. Well, I with mean, that, right now, yeah, but why don't we... I think we're going to hear. And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. The opening of this movie finds us on the planet Krypton at the trial of General Zod, Ursa, and Nan for crimes of treason and sedition. Presiding over this trial is Jor-El, played by Marilyn Brando. Marilyn Brando. Uh, so, um, point number one, are we not on the planet of Krypton? Krypton. Krypton. The planet Krypton. Could no one tell him? Like, was he such an asshole at this point that you couldn't say to him, Mr. Brando, it's pronounced Krypton? I've heard conflicting things that he was a author and that he was a gem. Like, but I did, I have heard that he definitely did not learn his lines and there were cue cards everywhere. Yeah, so I've heard that. I've heard that he told Donner, why don't we roll cameras on the rehearsals? Who knows? Maybe we'll get lucky. And at least one of those was the, the take used in the movie. He also wanted to be a voiceover and a beam of light. Yeah, so then... Or a bagel. A green bagel. So that bagel <laughs> story I've heard going back many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was looking at this the other day, I found one rep story that referenced that that was re- just a test of Richard Donner. And he was right. like, I think, like, is he going to I'm, I'm hold gonna, a vision? I'm going to call bullshit on that. This I'm is, with you. This right. is Brando. He's kind of a dickhead. The way Donner tells it is that even his agent was like, look, he's going to try and get out of doing the work if he can get the money. But that Donner went, met with him, and basically flattered him into doing it. And then he was on board. Interesting. Uh, but they didn't read the script until the first day of shooting. But he read it, and he loved it. And he's like, it's a goddamn love letter. And, uh, <laughs> and Your Brando kind of Brando... sounds like Trump. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's now I can't unhear that. It, and then he was all on board. Not so on board he was going to learn his lines, but <laughs> he, he no longer was pushing to be a green suitcase or a bagel. He famously never learns his lines. Yeah, so well, that's I, the thing. Yeah, but at this point, yeah, there was no line learning. He didn't learn them in Apocalypse Now. He didn't. Yeah, no. didn't learn them in The Godfather. Right? Didn't so, learn them in Guys and Dolls. Really? That's funny. Every scene he's in, he's holding his hat in front of him like he's holding a book because his lines were in the in the inside of his hat. When they're putting Baby Kal-El into the rocket, his lines were on the diaper. Oh, oh, I yeah. wear around the you forehead. See the, you can see he's just kind of like looking. See, he does a lot of staring off into the middle distance. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But that speech that he gives infant Kal-El. You will travel far, my little Kal-El. But we will never leave you, even in the face of our death. The richness of our lives shall be yours. All that I have, all that I've learned, everything I feel, all this and more, I I bequeath you, my son. You will carry me inside you all the days of your life. You will make my strength your own. See my life through your eyes as your life will be seen through mine. The son becomes the father and the father the... The sun. This is all I can send you. Cool. Is beautiful. He's, you know, this. And that's so, what makes it tough. Like, last episode, League, we talked yeah. about separating a performer's bad character in terms of their character as the kind of person they are. Mm-hmm. Separating that from their art. And I mean, by this point, How Brando do you sep- wasn't as terrible as like not wearing pants when filming. That Frank Oz movie that I can't remember the name of. Oh, uh, the Freshman? No, no. The, the Heist? The oh. De Niro and... 
Ed Norton. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He wouldn't wear pants and called uh, Frank Oz Miss Piggy the oh, entire right. time. Well, so so I'm not suggesting he's the kind of um, woman beater that Sean Connery is self-admittedly, mm-hmm. right? So you guys are both performers. Is it hard to separate an actor's process from their work? You nailed it, Casey. He's wonderful in the movie. But if you got to go through this bullshit on set, I mean, he famously stressed the shit out of Francis Ford Coppola in sure. Apocalypse Now. Well, he right? showed up incredibly fat, and he's supposed to be sure. this sure. amazing Marine. So does your perspective, both of you, does your perspective change if you view this as an audience member versus if you view this as a as another performer? You're in a production oh, with him. Absolutely. Yeah. I would not want to be in that production with that guy. <laughs> wow. That's very true. You don't want to be in that production with that guy. And, you know, it's a very rare occurrence that you are and it works. You know, that, that, that somebody's pulling that kind of shit and it comes off well. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm not sure it ever comes off well in theater. Because the editor can save a lot. Like you said, let's shoot the rehearsal and, oh, hey, we're going to use that. You know, things like that. Sure. Uh, you know, you can do a lot with editing to edit out bad behavior, which often does lead to bad acting. This but, podcast uh, yeah. is a perfect example of what yes, Casey yes. can do editing <laughs> with the shit that I give him sometimes. So that's the piece where, as a performer, you are counting on the person you're on stage with or you're about sure. to be on stage with or to, to collaborate. And everybody makes honest mistakes, but I did a King Lear where Lear didn't learn the lines. And I remember that. Was, yeah, yeah. You would get, <laughs> oh, hey, hey, we're two pages ahead now, guys. That's fun. <laughs> oh, my. And yeah. Shakespeare, nonetheless. That's not. No, that, n- that's never easy. heard of him. Never yeah. heard of him. Never heard of him. That's right. He's very um, big hey, in speaking, Belgium. Speaking of escalation, one note I had from this first scene he says that specific charges listed herein against the individuals, their acts of treason, their ultimate aim of sedition. I feel like you would be doing the sedition with the ultimate aim of treason. Like, isn't treason a lot worse than sedition? Oh, that's mm, a. Uh, Doesn't well. sedition mean an, an armed uprising? No, sedi- sedition is, is more. You're right. So, sedition, sedition is speech. Conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. So could this be that the line was written that it was sedition with the ultimate goal of treason? Brando never said it right, and Donner's like, fuck it. it. We'll get it. That's not the worst thing we're going to deal with in this production. (laughs) We got to take where Brando didn't say bagel. That's right. That's right. Take it. I also like in this opening scene that I've never seen Donner use again, so maybe it was his uh, DP on this movie. All those extreme close-ups of the Kryptonian villain's eyes and their mouth and all that, I've never seen that in another Donner film. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Richard Donner as a director. I just, I really, I don't know if he was going for something different because it was this comic book movie, so mm-hmm. he's trying to like think outside the box and do fun things. But I really like that. It really made you unnerved in that scene, I felt. Yeah, I think I don't know that he ever worked with his DP again. I'm, I'm not remembering the guy's name, but I know he was in his 70s when this film was made. He was one of the old, old school British DP. Uh, So I saw a note that Richard Donner was very famously and publicly unhappy with the Oscar nominations that year. There was uh, like a production designer, maybe a DP who were nominated for, was there Grand Hotel? Is that a movie? Mm, Yeah, there's a movie called Grand Hotel. So uh, that these, these other people won or were nominated and... The, the folks who worked on Superman were not, and Donner was very protective of the people who built this fantastic and yet grounded 
reality. My first note is Krypton looks amazing. It, it oh, does. It's so cool. And it's all like, for the most part, practical sets. You know, I feel like, so we're going to, we can get there now or later. Yeah, but let's get there now. Talking about special effects, I feel like we have to keep, we can't look at this movie from the lens of 2018. We have to look at this movie in terms of what what was available, what was the cinema at the time, right? And in yeah. that perspective, so to your point, there's no CGI, right? CGI is not a thing. There is no. green Computers screen. Computers are as big as your kitchen right. at this point. So there's green screen, but it's practical effects, it's miniatures, it's fast motion, it's reverse motion. There's a lot of that. Which is a lot movie. of it. But <laughs> but to your your point that they were inventing things to tell this story, in my mind, I mean, the fact that Superman doesn't show up for... 45, 48 minutes, something 47 like that. Yeah. minutes. Yeah. So contrast this to Avengers Infinity War. Spoiler alert. In which we have this destruction on the Asgardian refugee ship and a battle with the Hulk within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, there's a piece of it. Well, look what they had to, to work with and look at the story they told regardless. And it seems like, much like when we talked about Man of Steel, it seems like it's almost the same amount of time before we see Superman in that too. And I'm wondering, like, a lot of stuff, I don't know, Colin, if you've seen any of this, but a lot of stuff's coming out that there's so many things that Zack Snyder was giving love letters to yes. other movies in the DC prior universes and from the comics and all these amazing things. And I'm wondering if, like, being the person that Zack Snyder obviously is, if he's like, Superman has to come in at minute 47 in that film, too, because he did in the first film. Yeah. I mean, I have long thought of this as three movies. You got Krypton. Krypton. You got Smallville slash the quest to the building of the Fortress of Solitude. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then he appears, he flies, and we're off to Metropolis. And right after that first flight out of the Fortress of Solitude, it's still another 10 minutes before we get proper Superman action. Sure. Right. We get a ton of nerdy reporter Clark and we're, <laughs> we're doing the front page or his girl Friday, like this rat-a-tat screwball comedy <laughs> newspaper right. stuff. Absolutely. It's kind of amazing. Three, these three separate films. Now, you know, when we do our wrap up, we can talk about do all three of those films work on the same level. Maybe not, but I know one person who didn't work for <laughs> the bean. You know, oh, yeah. This is the part that breaks our hearts. And the same thing with Empire Strikes Back. She wanted to be done after uh, Luke was just about to get to Bespin. I'm like, wait, no, this is, oh, God, it's just going to get good. You know, You're going to like this film now, I promise. So the second of the three times that I saw Avengers Infinity War opening weekend, uh, <laughs> I took my two youngest boys oh, and yes. my father uh, on Friday afternoon. I took the day off, so we go Friday. Todd. No spoilers. It's a dark movie. There's some heavy moments. A little bit. A little bit. So at the end of the movie, the noodle, my 11-year-old, is upset. And he's not happy. And he's, he's like, angry, maybe a little hint of tears, like, not happy. And he's checked sure. out. So I lean over to him. I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, it's kind of like at the end of Empire Strikes Back, you know, there's... You know, it's kind of dark, and Luke has lost his hand, and Han's been frozen in carbonite, and Boba Fett took him away, and we don't know what's going to happen to our heroes, and, you know, it's kind of dark, and we walked out of the theater not feeling so good. And he looks at me, like, angry crying, and he's like, nobody cares about Star Wars. I was like, well, we did at the time. We... I, I still care about Star Wars. We still do, some of us. Well, 
Except for the solo film. Couldn't care less. I'm more excited. Okay, all right. It's a, Move it along, guys. So, you know, Casey, you referenced this, this Snyder doing an homage to this movie. Yeah. You know, I, I was watching it. There's a couple things where I'm like, you know, so we talked about this. I think it's fair to call this the first modern superhero movie. Absolutely. So there's this is the oldest thing you've got so far, except for Batman 66, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And really, Batman 66, I see as a long-form TV episode. You're not wrong. Right. This is the movie that kind of creates the modern genre. And I oh, feel like absolutely. in addition to Snyder, so specifically with Snyder, there's a scene where Clark is out in the fields the morning after his father's funeral. And Martha wakes up. She's going about her day. And she looks out and she sees Clark in the middle of the field mm-hmm. looking away from the home. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the post-resurrection scene Justice from League. Justice League. right? It, that- it, but it is like... Snyder has come out and said it's, a, it's supposed to. Okay, be. so we got uh, that. But, but both of them are Andrew Wyatt's Christina's World. Do you know that painting? No. no. Yeah, I actually, that was my note for that. Ma Kent Goodbye, Christina's World. And then the score is like Aaron Copeland, Aaron Copeland, Aaron Copeland. But let's talk about the score for a second. I, I, oh, I that, mean, let's talk about the score for an hour. It's specifically that moment when she, when he's like, I have to leave. And she says, I know, son, I know. And then they turn, they kind of look off into the middle distance, and that swell of music. I wrote, John Williams is a goddamn national treasure. We could really do a John Williams podcast. Oh my God, he's so well. They almost didn't have him. What? It was Jerry Goldsmith, and then the production got bumped back, so they couldn't use Jerry Goldsmith because of scheduling. Mm -hmm. And then it was John Williams, and the production got bumped back, so they switched back to Jerry Goldsmith. And then it got bumped again, so they went back to John Williams. But this is like, look at the one, the one, two, three punch you got here. You got Jaws, Star Wars, this. And then Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And then Close Encounters is the next year, yeah. It's Jeez. amazing. It's Man. amazing. I didn't see that note that Snyder said. So, okay, so that yeah, makes yeah, sense. He's, he's, if you follow him on, like, Twitter and Instagram, anytime a fan asks him, is this a reference to this, he will respond. He's okay. really good with his fan interaction. So another Man of Steel moment. Mr. So Snyder, another Snyder please moment. Come on to our yeah, podcast. please. You're welcome. Listen, and then and then go make films for Marvel Studios, please. <laughs> They'll let you do it. Moon Knight. So the digital version of Jor El guiding his son in the fortress. I'm like, well, that's Man of Steel. That's that's oh, Jor that's Jor El, right? The the digital mm-hmm. version. Moments that I feel were homages from other films. You know, later I think mm-hmm. they call back to this. The recurring theme. Clark gets it first from Jonathan Kent. Mm-hmm. Later as Superman, he gets it. He's kind of chided by digital Jor-El. Right. This idea of having to hide his powers, to not be his true self, to kind of hold back, to me, immediately made me think of Mr. Incredible in The yeah, Incredibles, right? Absolutely. At the end, when Superman flies out to stop the two missiles from impacting and causing catastrophe, uh-huh. he fl- so the... Missile number one headed to Hackensack. <laughs> he comes up behind it, grabs the bottom of it, and tips it up to bring it up out of the atmosphere. I'm like, Avengers. That's Joss Whedon doing his homage with, with, with Tony, Tony and the yeah. and the missile going mm-hmm. out. I'm like, I, Which, I, that's actually supposed to be the end of this film. That's the original ending, is he sends the missiles off into space and they break open the Phantom Zone. Yes. And the last shot is supposed to be Zod, Ursa, and Nan flying towards Earth. Oh, so it was supposed to be left on a cliffhanger? Total cliffhanger. That would have been so much better than the stupid fucking turn the planet backwards that we got. Well, that was the ending of Superman 2. Yeah, that was supposed to be the ending of oh. It was going to be in there at some point. Better that than kissing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
just think a lot of what happens in this movie becomes and, and it actually some of it takes 20 years to come around into being setting up the sequels mm. um you know i mean part of that is because they film together but we dive directly into characters who we never see again for the rest of the movie. Right. This whole opening scene. Yeah, sure. Right. And then just, there are some strong Easter egg moments. I mean, there's a a moment, there's no good reason to make sure that we know that Clark is Martha's maiden name. And that's where they got the first name. Sure. Sure. They managed to do it. It's such a, it's, you know, it's. It happens so quickly and it's done so beautifully. Yeah, it's done beautifully, but it, it is definitely the kind of hey for the super fan thing that you know that I think they stopped doing and have come back around to. Uh, Glenn Ford, right? Jonathan yeah, Kent Ford. is yeah. is right. So good. Yeah. Oh God, I mean, amazing. So can we can we pull back actually even before Krypton? So I've seen this movie many times. I don't ever 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 remember that black and white theater with the narration. In the decade of the 1930s, even the great city of Metropolis was not spared the ravages of the worldwide depression. In the times of fear and confusion, the job of informing the public was the responsibility of the Daily Planet, a great metropolitan newspaper whose reputation for clarity and truth had become a symbol of hope for the city of Metropolis. I'm betting it didn't happen in a lot of um, like network television showing. I think that's actually where it started. I think it was not theatrical, but I think they put it on that network television version of it. That's like three hours the, long. The three hour version. Interesting. I, I swear to God, I've never seen that before. Oh yeah, it's great too because you're like, oh, here we go. I know this character now. It's so interesting, but I almost feel like it, I almost feel like is that because of the fact that it's kind of this new genre? They really kind of need to establish what you're seeing, right? Like immediately saying the fact that it's Metropolis and not New York City, right? Like immediately the later presence of a completely undisguised New York City. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean like I, I never remember that opening. It's well, so interesting. Colin, isn't Metropolis supposed to be closer to like Chicago? Current DC rules is Metropolis <laughs> is in Delaware. Um, Wait, what? what? So Metropolis Oh, so, Jesus. So, this is why we laugh at you, DC people. I just want to say that. Gotham, well, where's Gotham? Go- Gotham is in New Jersey. Next Gotham to Blue Haven? Gotham is yes. yeah, basically. I think Blue Haven's you know, like Pennsylvania. Just, you know, <sighs> he's in like Southern Jersey. So that way you can, I mean, because you can really get from Southern Jersey to Delaware in like an hour. Yeah. So yeah that's that's true. why we can be very close to each other um, if you need to. That's where they are. Is Blue Haven in Pennsylvania, is that that little shire? In Dan Aykroyd's Nothing But Trouble yes, with Demi Moore. Exactly it. it's, that's, that's exactly, exactly where, it. With the penis nose on hey, Dan Aykroyd. Look, Blue Haven appeared on Arrow this week, and I was like, oh, what? And what? Uh, Azrael? No, Nightwing. Night- it fights in Blue Haven. Who's the, who's the guy Blue who Haven. went, who replaced Bruce Wayne? <sighs> that would be John Paul Valley. Oh. <laughs> Fuck him. I wish, yet another moment that I wish this was a video cast because visceral Casey's yeah, yeah. face when I asked do you, that question. Do you know how easy, guys? Okay. All right, so. So Krypton blows up. Krypton blows up. But here's my question. Does Krypton blow up or does the sun blow up? I know. I know. The sun definitely seems to be doing the work there. Yeah. Like in every shot that they show of, you know, this planet will blow up in 30 days. Every time they have like an establishing shot of Krypton, it se- the sun seems to be getting bigger and bigger. The and doesn't Jor-El sun. make a, a note of that, that our sun was our demise in the fortress? 
Maybe. Maybe. So the female elder who's rebuking Jorel definitely says that. Krypton is simply shifting its old. Hey, guess that's what? Not that's a still thing. a bad thing. That's right. That's right. Right. No bueno. No bueno. No, no bueno. bueno either way. Whether it's shifting orbit or exploding, shit's going to go wrong. That's I'm, right. I'm not, definitely not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure if the Earth would you shift its orbit, we're fucked. We would all die. <laughs> One thing I noticed about. Um, Though it doesn't appear that they have any crops to worry about dying. They just seem to eat crystals. Um, <laughs> Are they fraggles? One thing I did notice uh, in that explosion effect, which I'd never noticed before, and it's been like 10 years since I've probably seen this movie, but mm-hmm. the somebody took the time in that explosion to explain the creation of kryptonite because it goes green. It sure does. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I didn't notice I, that. I like that touch. It goes green. To say it's not just that his old planet is poisoned to him; it's that the process of that explosion, like it compressed to form a new element, the radiation, you know. Oh, and isn't that kind of uh, John Byrne Man of Steel canon? Exactly, yeah, what John Byrne's thing is basically that like this, the planet was turning into kryptonite from the inside out, and that's the it was radiation. like a decay, oh, that's right? Yeah, which, which makes some sense. Is Again, arguably my favorite take on the character in the in oh, the yeah. books is the John Byrne Man of Steel. <laughs> well, Todd and Collins, did you guys read the new canon for the destruction of Krypton? Yes, it was a some alien who hates Kryptonians, oh, right? Fuck that. Yeah. I, I told you, Casey, I wanted to be end the reveal that like, no, nah, it just exploded on your own. You have delusions of grandeur. Yes. <laughs> um, I wanted to say one thing about Ursa that I noticed for the first time. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's that's some ugly language when they talk about Ursa in the trial. Yeah. On the woman Ursa, whose perversions and unreasoning hatred of all mankind have threatened even the children of the planet Krypton. I remembered the talk about like hatred of men, and I was ready to go in and write a note about, oh, of course the female villain has to be, you know, a man hater. Right. Not 1978, you guys suck. But then I, I really <laughs> listened to it, and I was like, oh, God, it's like the corrupting children. It's, you know, that's some ugly language that managed to get in there. It was a different time, but it, it's still kind yeah. of like, Ugh. So let's take a minute and talk about how amazing Terrence Stamp is in the two minutes he's in this film. Right. So, oh you know, God. you will kneel down before me, Jor-El, which is the theme that will continue into Superman 2. I immediately noted that. It's it, so good. It, Again, was that the original theatrical cut? Was I believe that is, yeah. I don't remember any kneeling discussion. Yeah, so. I don't think, I think you that was... You will bow down before me, Jor-El. Uh, Wait, he, he brings up kneeling, though? I don't remember that. I don't, I don't think he says kneel. I think that's, that's saved for two, but no, he no, says... No, 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 no. None of this is working. I'm just joking about the fact that every third line in Superman 2 is about kneeling. Yeah. <laughs> you will bow down before me, Jor-El. I swear it, no matter that it takes an eternity, you will bow down before me, both you and then one day, your ass! I wonder, though, if that was the original, the Donner take, and I wonder if that did not make well, it to the theatrical. regardless if it was in the theatrical, this is the Donner take. What we're watching That's is what I mean. the one that he can't... What we watched, it was in there. He so, definitely said Neil. So Phantom Zone takes him away. Did you catch what Ursa was saying? Jor-El still being like, I will have my revenge, kill you all. Ursa's like, Zod, Zod will oh, have Excuse you. me. Zod is saying, I will have my revenge, I'll kill that you all. That was a pretty good... Wait, let, I will you... have my revenge! <laughs> you will bow down before me, Jor-El! But Ursa is saying, please forgive me. Like, yeah, really? Yeah, like, exactly. she is ready to be like, oh, I'm just kidding. Please let me go. <laughs> Contrast Ursa to Man of Steel. Feora, uh, yeah. Feora. who is just like, nope. Feora is fucking frightening, right? That's that's yeah. almost like we're afraid Feora, to have a strong Feora, female. Yeah, absolutely. Feora is the villain 
because she follows the villain and she's a woman because there are women in the military. She's not a woman who hates men and therefore the villain. Like, right. Her, her gender right. is, is irrelevant to the fact that she's on, a villain. On this and few other things, I definitely give the points to Man of Steel. So let's talk about the crystals that Jor-El puts in the spaceship that takes Cal to Earth. The crystal spaceship. The crystal the spaceship. spaceship. Even the as a star kid. Even <laughs> star, right, right. Yes. If the if the the Moses Jesus. or the yeah, yeah. Uh, Moses Jesus, yeah. Right. The biblical references. If you're missing, heavy, it. yeah. Oh but my God. Even as a child, I was like, "Why is it a green crystal? Green is kryptonite. Why is there one green crystal when all the other ones? So that's the master key, I'm guessing, right? But make it any other color than that, green, you know? Uh, yeah. So Colin, like you, having seen this movie many times before, but not in recent history, you know, I got to that point and I was trying to remember. I'm like, well, is the green one? Does that ultimate? Then I'm like, no, no, no. I remember the kryptonite necklace. Like it looks different. It's not mm-hmm. the crystal. So no. it, it creates this weird confusion. Why make it green? Why not make it gold or you know any yeah. other color? I'm wondering if it was just a lighting effect thing yeah i just wound up thinking as he's moving these different crystals not the green ones but the other ones i was like i don't know which one is which i can barely tell my usb drives (laughs) (laughs) well there are much more advanced rates guess so they they memorized the shape of every one of these crystals right and also did you notice that jor-el made it seem like they would have had the powers on Krypton, he never says, you know, going to Earth. Never mentions the yellow sun. Is which that is what not I something was that was for. canon at the time, Colin? Um, I'm not certain that the yellow sun, I, I know that that's firmly entrenched, you know, nine, ten years later when you get it to post-crisis. Sure. But I mm-hmm. don't. I do think sort of in the Bronze Age, it, it is going there. But early, early, um, the very first issue of Action 1, it, mm-hmm. it's just they they could all do this. on you know, and, and I think Golden Age Superman, you know, everybody was a Superman on Krypton. Sure. Which and, leads to the destruction of Krypton. All those Kryptonians are just falling away. I'm like, if you can fly, start <laughs> flying. Um, right, so exactly. in the... Yeah, which is what? In the movie, they, he definitely referenced his more dense molecular structure. So it's almost like, which in the comics is like, as guardians, their flesh is more dense. Right. That So, I mean, Thor is kind of Superman. But better, yeah. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Chris Hemsworth is great, but Thor is not better than Superman. I'll say this, Thor can pull off the long hair better. That's true. That's true. (laughs) It's true. Did anyone else notice, so when Krypton begins its destruction... Uh, the falling into the chasm, all I could think of was, this is the end. With- <laughs> Greg! Greg! It's too late for you! You're already in the hole! What the fuck are you talking about? So, timing. Yeah, Timeline time does not work. work. It doesn't work here, and it doesn't work later when he creates the fortress. Right. During this whole trip from Krypton, Krypton. to Earth, he explains Einstein's theory of relativity, but... It was almost an Einstein-Rosen bridge. I was the- like, oh, oh. The problem is yeah. Einstein hadn't created the theory of relativity by that point. You mean in 38? No. no in, but, but it's supposed to be like, like 52. A thousand, a thousand. Well, no, the theory of relativity was published well before that. The, I, the theory of relativity is published in, in the general 40s, relativity right? is published, no, 19-teens. Um, oh, that whatever I I I was but, I was looking it up. There was a but, thing with the timeline. I thought was, you were referring to the fact 
that it's supposed to be like a thousand years earlier. Well, Krypton. Well, and Luth- another galaxy. Luthor says that when he's in his library, when he right. when Luthor turns his mind towards defeating Superman, he makes a reference to he Krypton exploding. Th- you know, thousands of years ago. It's you're right. The the timeline is fucked. Though, did you see the note that the 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 kid the the, the toddler yeah is also the kid in Superman three when Superman changes in the photo booth no and he sees the the four pictures that you get from a photo booth yeah it's Clark Clark changing into Superman Clark still changing and then Superman and he rips off all the other three and just gives him the one of him as Superman that's the same kid they brought that is the infant and he's also in Man of Steel. He's the one who says, General Swanwick, sir, I'm on with the control tower. Colonel Hardy's on his way in and he's got Superman in tow. Superman? The alien, sir. That, that's what they're calling him, Superman. Come that's, on, that's seriously? Him. Yeah. That's cool. I saw that and I was like, I oh, do, holy shit, that has to be mentioned. That's wild. I do not remember that photo booth gag from Superman 3, but it would make an awesome t-shirt. Ooh. What do you mean, like the, 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 four, the four part? Yeah, absolutely. So, so he gets to Earth and, I mean... Everything about the finding scene, about the... It's just so good. It is so, so good. good. And it takes its time. Yeah. The fact that he is changing well, the tire on the car, and there's this whole scene where they're talking about and everything. In a modern movie, that would be like their walk back from the space shuttle. This whole section, which is filmed mostly in Alberta, Canada, actually. Right. Yep. Yeah. You know, Donner is just... The camera is making love to that landscape. And, mm-hmm. and Don, Donner, Donner is doing everything he can to make a John Ford movie. Yeah. You know, it's just <laughs> so beautiful. So that is where, for me, where as great as the production design on Krypton is, um, that is where, like, that grounded verisimilitude kicks in. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? yeah. It, it would have been. So I was reading about the effect they use these, the costumers sewing these glass beads onto the gowns to make this photo luminescent the uh, white Krypton. right yeah. and Krypton. Like if the actors touched the glass with their hands, the oil from their hands would like so And who touched it the most? Fucking, fucking Brando. Marlon Brando. Course, he kept listen, grabbing the lapels. Of course he does. He touched one of the council listen, members. I'm like listen, Marlon, you, get, you had one note in this scene. Listen, Don't touch your suit. You hire Brando, you get Brando yeah, all in. But Again, it would have been so easy yeah. with all those things to turn campy and goofy, goofy, and it never does. I mean, does yeah. it look dated now as we look back at it? Yes, obviously. It's all practical effects. It's miniatures. Obviously, it looks different, but it never seems campy. And I mean, yeah. that's impressive, right? There's certainly nothing that happens in the middle section has any hint of camp. One thing, talking about the timeline that's interesting is like, Krypton is so 1930s pulp science fiction. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. But by the time we get to Smallville, it is, I mean, you know, rock around the clock is yes, playing. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's the middle to late 50s, which actually doesn't add up timeline-wise. Again, with, you can't do the right. math. If you came here in 51, well, yeah. But I, this is where I think it's deliberate that then we, by the time we jump to Metropolis, it's 1978. You know, I think it's deliberately yeah. saying the 30s, the 50s, the 70s. These which different... Is, Eras in American of, history. When at this point, Superman is 40 years old when this movie is made. Sure. So kind of bridging that whole time, you know, and, and look, I mean, this is what comics do, right? Is, you know, everything's always, whenever there's a flashback, it's 10 years ago. And 
right you know, kind of butts with what the timeline is because these characters have been around since the 60s and you know marvel's famous sliding timeline. yeah right right yep so to that piece right so the movie comes out when the character is 40 years old do you think that that when clark meets his father's digital ghost after he creates a fortress mm-hmm. they go on this tour of the cosmos and then jor-el says by the time we return to the confines of your galaxy 12 of your years will have passed but do you think that is the way of saying, okay, well, Superman's 40, but actually take off the 12, he's 28, and this is the young Clark Kent, you know, hungry reporter well, at the Daily Planet. So the young Clark, played by Jeff East, to give him his credit. Yes, um, with, without his voice. Oh, boy. And with facial prosthetics. Yep, took three um, hours to put oh. those facial prosthetics on. And he apparently didn't know that he was going to be dubbed until this movie came so out. So the, the, the David Prowse. <laughs> I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic... You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away. But, you know, he wasn't in a mask. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, Right. He's supposed to be 18, so I think that puts Clark at the beginning of his career at 30. 30, yeah, that's fair, that's fair. And I think 30 is like, that's a good Superman age. Unless you're really trying to do something with it, like the whole Grant Morrison running around in jeans and a t-shirt Superman. Sure. You know, you you don't want Superman to be too, too young. No, that's right. I just wondered that 12 years, that just felt like really specific, and it didn't seem to serve any other point in the movie. So why make that take any time? It would make, yeah, because Rock Around the Clock, we're looking at 53, (gasps) so it would be like, 1965 if they you know but nobody wanted to do a 1965 metropolis right yeah, that's true <laughs> right, right question about jeff being voiceover by chris reeve for continuity yeah did you notice that anytime anyone else was talking with him it also was dubbed did, was that for consistency because if it was i feel like that's a we gotta choice. give kudos to that it might just be because it's fucking windy in alberta right but even like in that scene with jonathan and and teenage clark are walking up from him fixing the tractor right before he dies. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was super windy there. And I just feel like it's so that, like, what had come out a year before Star Wars, there are characters in there that have British accents that they are replaced with American voices. And I wonder if the the producers, the Salkins, looked at that and went, you know, let's not do that. Because, like, work. the famous blue milk scene in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, and he can't stay here forever. Most of his friends have gone. It means so much to him. I'll make it up to him next year. I promise. Luke's just not a farmer owner. He has too much of his father in him. That's what I'm afraid of. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, that doesn't work at all. So, Casey, on a scale of <laughs> 1 to 10 Reb Browns, and I don't remember which one was good. I'm going to give this one. But which good. That's one good. was good? The fewer because, Reb Browns, because the better. It, because, yes, you obviously could tell it was voiced over. Yes. But it added continuity to okay. not continuity but it made it make sense it was kind of seamless across characters though i will say a couple of lines like i don't think christopher reeve was paying attention to what jeff was doing like it doesn't the when, lip the when, mouth flaps don't no no it. the mouth flaps match up it's when like when jonathan has his heart attack and falls over which let's take a minute and say that's an amazing piece of acting yeah. from glenn ford because sometimes like when people have heart attacks on tv shows or movies like ah, uh, and it was just like Grabbing his arm and realizing, I'm going to die right now, you know? So we might get, and I don't know if this will happen, the goon watched the first 40 minutes of the movie with me, so he did not make it even to Superman. He, he didn't even make it, he didn't to, make it to Superman. To, but to Bean territory. He did not like that scene. He did not like the way that, that Pa Kent has his heart attack. So he said, because Jonathan says, Oh, no. And collapses. And 
the goon just did not think that was realistic. He doesn't oh, think anyone would ever have. Beautifully done. Well, listen, it, you know, he's got some thoughts. That whole scene is. It's a wonderful scene. It's a gut punch. Beautiful. I mean, but the, the slow walk up, I mean, this is why, you know, as good as the performance of Kevin Costner wasn't at times, who Pa Kent is and how much in one scene he infuses a sense of moral responsibility. There. Absolutely. So you know, we've for, talked about we've talked about buying talent. Buying talent doesn't necessarily mean buying box office smash, right? Like the movie star. Talent can be an amazing fucking performer. Jackie Cooper, Glenn Ford. There's some amazing people in roles that don't have a lot of screen time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you were still, you know, only 10, 15 years from the collapse of the the you know the, the, the real studio system sure 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 and those roles were going to be filled by those kind of veterans like that's a glenn ford role that's a jackie sure. cooper role because you got him under contract and you know he works with studio right. the studio I mean, says you're going to go do this and he does it yeah 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 when jonathan dies when he has heart attack falls over yep and uh i i'm sorry i don't know the actor who plays martha and jeff comes out and says dad his face makes it seem like he says dad the way that christopher reeve recorded uh, it's dad and i'm just like oh those don't match oh you should have somebody paid fucked up acting, yeah <laughs> and there, there's one later when he says the whole thing about all those powers that's played later i couldn't even save him yeah what that's played later in After uh, voiceover the funeral right and, and then played at uh spoiler, spoiler alert lois's death <laughs> right um I didn't buy that they were in simpatico there too. Like okay. it, everywhere else, it seems like they line up with all their lines. But so just does those, that move it to two red browns? No, it's still a one. It's still because a one. It's just one with an it's asterisk. Just two little lines. Yeah. Okay. Just uh, me being nitpicky. So being nitpicky, can I can I ask? <laughs> I've the, never been nitpicky ne- on this podcast. Never. You've never been pedantic, like <laughs> in episode seventeen. Oh. But let me ask you this question. Let's let me be nitpicky for a second. Ooh. So a rare Todd. A nitpick? rare Todd nitpick. Yeah. So Clark has the experience at the football field. He's the equipment manager for the Smallville football team. Did you recognize the guy? I'm sorry to interrupt. No. Did you recognize the, the guy that told the him? Douche? That, no, not him. The guy that says, Hey, Clark, let's have all those clothes washed and ready for tomorrow's game, yes, okay? Do you recognize who that was? No. That was one Dan Castanella, otherwise known as Homer J. Simpson. What? Yep. Come on. 100% is him. I'm like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> I did recognize Cliff... Clavin later on. <laughs> Jonathan Ratzenberg? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I was and like, J- oh, Star J-R-U-E. Wars. Yeah, J.R.U. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was, well, he was... Uh, Larry Hagman. Larry yeah. Hagman was big at this point. John and he Ratzenberg was supposed was to be there for a day and ended up being there for like 12? 12? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And while we're here, we'll do the last one. Yeah. So when they're watching the footage the day after Superman saves yes. everybody, do you know who the guy who talks to Clark is, Colin? Did you recognize him? No. It's Richard Donner. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> he has the Hitchcock moment in the film. It's so great. But that's, but that's not even the last one. The, Rex Reed. Rex Reed. Movie. When Lois and Clark are leaving the planet, as they come out of the revolving door, Rex Reed is going in. And Lois says, Hi, Rex. Oh, Lois. Hey, anything good today? Not until you came along. Oh, uh, Rex. Um, Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Oh, shit. I, I was writing a note. All right. I'm sorry, Todd. I no, no, Let's no. go ahead. No, that's fine. That's fine. Pedantic away. All right. So. You know, the iconic first meeting of the Kents and baby Kal-El, who will become Clark, the pickup truck blows a tire. Pa Kent is changing the tire when the jack tips, and he's only saved because five-year-old Kal-El, mm-hmm. you know, lifts the truck up. After the scene with the football team where the, the douchebag tips it over, and he goes running, 
and there's some cool practical effects in there that we can talk about. But yeah. when he yeah. gets to his home, he's leaning against a pickup truck with a flat rear left tire. I'm like, have they literally not changed the tire on this truck in 13 fucking years? What the fuck is happening? Or is there just a truck with a flat tire permanently in front of their house? What the fuck was going on? I, I was going to write it down, but I'm like, nah, it's fine. So obviously, you had a problem with I it. I had more a problem with it. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yes, okay. So you know what I noticed in that scene is, which I'd never seen before, is when Jeff East walks from there to meet Pa, he's limping a little. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's because he pulled a hamstring hard doing that that fast running by the train. Yep. So again, with this theme of special effects that they created on the fly. So I read that he almost got fucking annihilated by the train. Yeah. A stunt man like grabbed him at the last minute. Uh, I don't know if it was like he was going to take a jump when he shouldn't have or something. But yep. uh, so stunt man saved him. Uh, I saw the note about the pulling the hamstring. The fast motion again. Ooh. Keeping in mind what they had to work with. The fast motion looks weird. When he's running next to the train, to the train. that's fine. After he jumps fine? over the train, mm. it's fine. I'm not saying it's uh, good. It's okay. fine. When he jumps over the train and then looks behind him and then starts running again, it looks like like when you're watching a, a streaming video and it glitches for a it, second. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. So the shot, the long shot where you see him like oh, way yeah. down the road in the dust cloud was a motorcycle pulling like a sack full of like dirt. Mm-hmm. to create this like dust cloud effect again brilliant ideas like how do we make this work that is on the level of <laughs> the great muppet caper okay when they're all riding those bicycles yeah that's simply brian henson young brian henson riding a bicycle and he is pulling all the marionette puppets come that on. Are on other come and on they, and they just blocked it just right so you can't see all the bars connecting them no shit that, oh, that's gosh. brilliant. I mean, it's movie a, magic. How do you make it? I mean, again, brilliant solution to, to that. Yeah. Speaking of the train, you guys know who's on the train. Right? Yes. Former Lois, former yeah. Lois and Clark Kirk, from two different versions. Kirk, Kirk Allen and Noel Neal, who were in Superman and Adam Man versus Superman. Wow. Uh, you. Were the film serials from the late 40s. And then Noel Neal reprised the role on Adventures of Superman. Kirk Allen did not, so you get George Reed. Oh, so she was Lois on though on the two with Kirk Allen. I read it differently. Okay, and on the TV show, and on and the and on the George, she's, and she's in Superman Returns. What is she? She's the she's the old woman that Lex marries. Oh, Come fuck, on. is she oh, really? that's funny. That's oh. hilarious. That's a great... I love that scene, by the way. We'll get to it, but I love we'll, that we'll scene. Get, we'll get yeah, to yeah. it. Um, last cool practical effect in this part of the movie. Yeah. So when Clark, frustrated, kicks the ball into orbit, he kicks the football, oh, yeah. they mm-hmm. had a fucking air cannon buried to launch the football. So again, like, okay, how do we do this? Well, let's take an air cannon, and they fucking launch the football over the horizon. All right, so Jonathan is dead, right? Jonathan's dead. And his funeral is shockingly sparsely attended. I I feel like we need, needed the sounds of silence there, right? (laughs) Yeah. Too soon. But could it be, could it be the the actual, the disturbed version? Oh, the disturbed. Oh, move it along guys. Smallville cemetery. I'm like, Oh, there it is right there. Smallville cemetery. Then we have this great scene, Clark in the field, looking away from the family home. This part of the movie was presented by Cheerios. Yes. Oh boy. As she pulls, as she pulls (laughs) pulls the box. Clark's never missed his morning bowl of Cheerios. Cheerios. Yeah, it that was that was terrible. Yeah, that's funny. That was well, on the lighting. There's a, there's a love letter to that in Superman Returns, with is the 
incredibly awkward product placement of Budweiser. <laughs> oh, um, that was on par with the Popeyes in Supergirl. <laughs> Oh, right. God, yeah. Listen, all these era Superman, Supergirl movies have some sort of awkward product placement sure. in each one of them. Well, I mean, so does Man of Steel. Remember how many storefronts they <laughs> specifically d- destroy in downtown Smallville? But was um, that just Warner Brothers trying to get extra money for this movie? Because <laughs> they are evil? I mean, I'm always of two minds about it because unless it's something fun like Big Belly Burger, I kind of hate generic fake products. What yeah. about Quentin Tarantino's red apple cigarettes? That's fine. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's like duff beer. You're having fun. Yeah. Okay, got it, yeah. got it. All right. I mean, the scene where he says goodbye is just so amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. You, it's, so, it's so good. You know, another moment that Snyder echoes later on, when Clark wakes up the morning after the, it, so I think it's the morning after the funeral, and he's somehow drawn to the barn, mm-hmm. and the ship is like underneath, you know, it's in like a pit in mm-hmm. the bottom of the barn. That's right out of Man of Steel. That's just, sure. Literally, the rocket is underneath oh, the barn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, again, another great moment. But again, that green crystal, I just, I still don't get, like, why is it green and green's good here? You know, for a long time, and I'm, I'm just realizing this, I was a Zack Snyder apologist, being like, no, 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 you need to, now I want to be like, no, Zack Snyder is a good director. Warner Brothers just chickened out on the vision that Zack was making. Like, it has come to light that it was supposed to be a five-picture arc of wow this thing it was supposed to be um man of steel man of steel batman v superman something else not wonder woman then justice oh justice league one and two okay and then uh unnamed fifth movie and i'm just like why mr snyder on on behalf of the Marvel fanboys, I say once again, come join us. We've got cookies and beer. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, but not a lot of our characters right now. Well, <laughs> listen. Nerd fight. Did you notice right before when he's digging out the green crystal to throw it, which is sort of an unmotivated throw, he's like, well, what if I threw it? Yeah, right. right yeah. <laughs> oh, are we talking when he's in, in Alaska? When he's, when he's in the Arctic. Which I forgot it's the Arctic because post crisis they made the fortress in the Antarctic. Why Antarctica, not put it where there's actually land. I was just yes, yeah, thank you. Yes, yeah. yes. There's a continent at the bottom of the planet. Yes, <laughs> yeah. nothing at the top. Well, the Earth is flat, so it's all. <laughs> oh. yeah. but, um, did you notice it looks like the suit is in the backpack? Oh, I didn't. Oh, no. well, there's definitely some very bright blue and red. But isn't that because isn't material in there? I know the John Byrne Man of Steel. Like his suit was made the, by Martha. Yeah, and it was the yeah, the cloth, made, the yeah. blankets he was swaddled well, and, and in. And they kind of hinted that with what the baby is wrapped in on Krypton. Sure, sure, sure. Right. So was that the last vestige? And then digital Jor-El's like, no, 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 I just got leave that over by the suit fabricator. I'll get yeah. that while we're on our twelve year tour of yeah, the Yeah, My cosmos. question was of the twelve years, when was sewing part of that training for him to make that suit? Well, that's, you know, it's so funny because they they do absolutely nothing to explain the suit. But I kind of prefer doing absolutely nothing to being like, oh, here's some random Kryptonian armor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I love Ma Kent making it. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, but because that actually, you're like, okay. But if you're going to not explain why Kryptonian armor is suddenly red and blue, then, yeah. And I think this is the actual origin of this that has shown up since in the comics. The idea of the S symbol being House of L. Yeah, which I I read was... having their own symbols, yeah. And I read that it was also Marlon Brando's idea to have him have the... S on his costume too. I read that as yeah. well, but it was Brando. So, so again, like, look, one he's thing fucking he did batshit crazy. <laughs> well, look, he's he's great in the movie, right? Yeah, 
And then after that, when he finally gets to to meet Jor-El, I have I just have the note. I have sent them you, my only son. Subtle, very subtle. Yes, I gave up my only Jesus. son, just like Jesus. God. Yeah, right. Ooh. Oh, again, if you're not picking up on it. Okay, so then can can we skip to? The first appearance of Superman. Are you saying as he flies out of the fortress? Oh, my God. It's so amazing. Oh, no. My note is specifically the first flight is anticlimactic. You can go fuck yourself right no. now. It was amazing. No. It's, How dare you? Well, well it's, not the, it's not the flight that you have described, which is as he turns and he brings the hands up. That's later. And I will. He does it in that. What? When he turns to go away from the camera at the very end, he puts his hand up. Is it one hand up? Yeah. I got to be honest with you. I remember thinking like, oh, first flight. We specifically talked about first flight in Man of Steel. I'm like, let's see what first flight looks like here. And I was like, oh, that's disappointing. But think about 1978. That was the tagline for this movie. You will believe a man can fly. You're sitting in the theater and he is 100 feet away from the camera. And then he just comes and swoops down in. And then turn, so it's not just a straight wire yeah. coming at you. I thought it was oh, yeah. nobody had ever nobody had ever seen it before. But you're not wrong that it's literally a scene there to show off. Hey guys, we figured out the fly. We made him fly. It's kind of like the forest scene in Supergirl. But yeah. it's also it is also there to introduce the the musical light motif to just mm-hmm. be like here's Superman's theme, guys. Can we talk about the crystal face that happens right before that? <laughs> it's so weird. So I just have, weird. I have crystal like, face ellipsis. Crystal face? I don't. Yeah. When Why? So Jorel is telling the whole story, and then he says, in 12 years, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it comes back to his hologram face. And right at the end, it turns into a crystal uh, rough Marlon Reno's face. It turns, and as it's turning, we go into the eye, and that's when we end up back at the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, Chris Reeves flies. I must it's have been typing at that point. Amazing. I, it's so brief and so odd. <laughs> I believe the bean may have been like, what? Oh, but man. Yeah, it is. It, I, I, I don't think I remember how much they're sort of like, and uh, there's Superman, and we're back to Clark. You yeah, know? Uh-huh. It's there simply to. Because they were probably like, you know, we've almost been in uh, at this movie an hour and we haven't seen Superman. Maybe we should show him Superman. Yeah. You know, so that's so nothing has come before them, right? So at this point, so I want to be right. Stacking up the moments does not hold up to Man of Steel's first flight. Well, of course not, because I ninety percent of Man of Steel's is computer generated. I get what you're saying because what you're missing is the idea of having to figure out, hey, I can. Why? It just didn't yeah, that's true. That's not there. There was no weight to the moment, and I think maybe John Williams' no, no, score no. But, definitely but, helps but that. Man of Steel, Superman does not take twelve years <laughs> to be taught by his ghost father. Like his ghost father is like, hey, by the way, it's me, your ghost father. Hey, turn around, action! You know, that's like, true. Story wise, you don't need him to be handheld through the. Um, yeah, that's plot. true. So I think that's fair. The last thing I'll say, and you guys can certainly respond, but the last thing I'll say is I'm not saying that the flight is an epic. There's a later flight where he looks epic. Mm-hmm. The, and that's where he does the full, the, the changing of the hands that are forward and one is, you know, fingers forward. One mm-hmm. is, you know, a, a, a fist. fist. Yeah. That later one, I was like, if they had given us that the first time he flies, then it's a more magical moment. So would you I rather, wanted the moment to So to would feel, you rather move it along guys? Okay, so now we're in Metropolis. Question. 
<laughs> How did Lois become this great reporter when she can't fucking spell things? How, uh, I, you know, she has Jimmy there, massive, and and Perry, two S's, A C, and Perry, <laughs> and Clark. Everybody's constantly like, "Hey, that's not how you spell that." And it's just like because it's, it's her a, tenacity. It's a stupid. It's her. Jo- ten- it's, she's a bulldog. That's now, why she's getting. That's why she's a great. Reporter. Colin, help us out. Is this a comic thing? I'm sure at certain points it has been reincorporated, but no, it's not. It's not like canon. It's just, this is sort of the dawn of the era of writing Lois as a great reporter, possibly a better reporter than Clark. Gotcha. You know, you've got just years and years of Lois Lane, you know. It's kind of like the, the hapless the title, the title of the of her solo thing was Lois Lane, Superman's girlfriend. Ouch. Oh, that's unfortunate. You know, whereas now you've got, you know, great comics in in between where you've got you know solo stories of lois being an amazing reporter you've got there's literally when lex luther was president in the 2000s lois and batman <laughs> teamed up to break into the white house and steal stuff from him yeah you know like that's so, lois lane so where we whoa so where we take points away earlier for ursa being you know right this playing on fears of the strong woman of of the era era mm-hmm. right the equal rights yeah. amendment um I guess we got to give it. We got to give points back then, at least from this perspective. You know, we're beginning to see Lois as a force to be reckoned with of her own. Yeah, that was the major thing I noticed, probably that I'd never noticed before watching this film was its attitude toward women, and I think that's Ooh. because you know our the way we think about how popular culture treats women has changed even in the last three to five years, um, and so I see things through a different lens. If I were to sum it up, I think for me. And as, again, speaking as a dude, you are in is, fact a dude. He's earnestly attempting to be feminist and achieving halfway for 1970. That's know? the thing. You have to measure it from where yeah. the cultural yeah. kind of barometer is, right? And, and also, I guess I'm leaning more towards looking at other Richard Donner films. He definitely does not let how he feels about the way we're treating a, a group of people not be heard in his movie. Like, there's a whole apartheid. In sub lethal part weapon of lethal two, weapon two, lethal weapon three. Four there are, is there the anti Chinese. NRA. Right. Well, but, when we get to four, it gets a little problematic. Right. right. But yeah, Rene Russo, we- yeah, lethal weapon yeah. two is very anti-racist. Lethal weapon four is super racist. Yeah, um, I just really ignore that movie at all costs. Yeah. The, the ancestors. Yeah, well, that's well, one should. No, I mean, and then you're going to get into. We'll talk about Miss Testmacher, but um, <laughs> you, yes, we will. Uh, but but no, you know, I is mean, it? I think I love her as Lois Lane. You know, I think they really kind of get the essence of it. You I would. Yeah, you know, Mary I would. good. I just knowing that Carrie Fisher was up for the role. I'm just like. I, I couldn't I can't unimagine Carrie Fisher is not Princess Leia, so that wouldn't work for me. I, she's a great actress, obviously iconic. I, what about different Soap dish? What about Blues Brothers? Is it odd that arguably Lois is a more compelling female character? She has more agency than Supergirl does. Oh, you're not wrong. Oh, yeah. No. Six yeah. years later oh, in the oh. Supergirl movie, right? Like is isn't that weird that Lois is arguably she can't spell. Who gives a shit? She is, she's a competent, aggressive, you know, high achieving professional in her yeah. field. It, it, sidebar, you know, I was sad watching this, knowing, you know, where Margot Kidder, Kidder would end up with Ooh. her struggles with mental illness and stuff. Yeah, it's but it, but seeing this, I'm like, you know, she's Lois Lane, and so my image of this kind of tough as nails reporter, Lois mm-hmm. Lane. It's Margot Kidder. And you know, it, yeah, tragedy absolutely. befalls both the leads in this movie. It's hard to sit there and not think sure. about Christopher Reeve. Yeah. What happened to him? 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's it's so tough. And you're like, ah, oh, you had such p- potential to be this amazing I mean, film actor. I think what you're talking about, about the different presentations of, uh, you know, in terms of sort of presenting a strong woman well between Lois and Supergirl, you know, <laughs> this is where writers and directors are actually important. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. You know? One of my favorite lines is when she says, Any more at home like you? Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Again, it's like a classic funny without being camp. When he, and then he says, uh, Not really, no. But she gives such a great spin to it. Because as a person who grew up loving the post-crisis continuity where she falls in love with Clark first, you oh. see that she, oh, yeah. In oh, I didn't know that. Continuity is she and Clark date. They get engaged. Clark's, he's Superman. And she says, yeah, I figured that out a while ago. I have a Pulitzer Prize. But, well, sorry. <laughs> Pulitzer Prize. I, I just figured you'd tell me in your own time. You know, and I, I I love that story, you know, rather than the sort of she's in love with Superman and ignores Clark, which is basically the classic story they play in this. But I feel like there's a hint there in the way she says that, which is like, yeah, this is a pretty good guy. Yeah. He could do worse than Clark can. And that if she didn't meet Superman, she probably might have, you know. Yeah. So next big intro, we see Otis. We see Otis. We hear the bassoon of comedy. <laughs> boop, ba-doop, boop, ba-doop, boop. Oh wait, no, I was doing the I was doing the Ewok theme. <laughs> I totally I, I went to the other John Williams bassoon of comedy. Did anyone recognize not the cop that gets killed by the train, but yes. his partner? Yes. So oh, yeah, he's the captain and then uh, lead the weapon. He's in every Richard Donner film. I'm embarrassed to yeah. admit. We've talked about a couple other moments where I learned things that I've had these deeply held beliefs for a long time that were wrong. I've always thought that that was Richard Donner. Oh, <laughs> the guy who plays Captain Murphy and Lethal Weapon. Very similar. Well, do you know why they look they similar? Look, they, look, they do look very similar. So his name product. is Steve Kahan. Mm-hmm. He is Richard Donner's cousin, and uh, Richard Donner go. puts him in his movies. He also has a cameo in Maverick. My favorite one. He's the dealer oh, on he's the, the ferry boat. Right, right, right. And when Mel Gibson uh, cashes out, they go to shake hands, and the chair that Steve is sitting in comes with him <laughs> in the shots. And like as Mel's walking away, you could just kind of see him sit back down and almost be like, "God damn it." <laughs> This is the this is the one my cousin's gonna use. I, I have for years thought that that was Richard thought Donner. that that was Richard. They look very similar. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't, it's, a, it's a Clint Howard situation. It's a hundred percent a Clint Howard situation. <laughs> yeah, he's a comp in um, Goonies. The one, yeah, not the one that says "Holy Mary, Mother of God" at the end. He's the other one. The he's one a, who's. The one that gets told about the squid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's the thing. Like, look, your cousin's a director. Hey, you got to use your cousin Stevie. You know, he was just saying but he is classic. Hey, it's that guy material. Like, a hundred percent. Yes. Did you catch when um, when Otis is in the train station? Yes. The train announcements. Metropolis transportation, Buffalo, Syracuse. This is the only time That's in right. any of these movies Syracuse is going to be mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Until they make that Captain Cuse movie. Yeah. Oh God, oh, no. With Lake Effect, the big villain. <laughs> Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. Lake Effect was the villain. I remember that. <laughs> yep, totally happened. <laughs> that might be one for the website, Captain Cuse. Move it along, guys. Yeah. So Otis, do we uh, like Otis? I, do you mean the Smee to Lex Luthor's Captain Hook? Yes, I love Otis. You know, we have to remember that this movie was made for families, so this is for the the younger children. Like, if I'd gotten the bean to get to this point in the movie, she would have loved Otis. Probably. Otis, yeah, it, 
we get hints of it, right? But Luthor is horrifyingly lethal. He lures Superman in with the threat of releasing poison gas, you know, to kill the city. Mm. That's horrific. No, 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 sorry, to kill half the half city. Half the city, sorry. Half is a very popular fraction. <laughs> That's right. It's a, it's a Thanos thing. So, um, <laughs> you know, the plot, which is, you know, no big reveal for this movie that's very old, you know, 30 years old. Um, the or No, 40 years old. Jesus. 40 years old. 40 years that's old. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's going to kill, you know, countless people in Hackensack in California. Luthor is horrifying. He's a little bit absurd with the hair. But I feel like, to your point, Casey, Otis softens this horrific potential mass murderer. Yeah. And like Colin has said, this is not a screen accurate version of Lex Luthor. Do you know who Funky Flashman is? No. Oh, my God. Wait, I feel like I should. So Funky Flashman is a not even C-list Superman villain from the late 60s. Is he a jive turkey? Yeah, right. No, he's a cheap used car salesman. Oh, no. Kind of personality. I don't think he actually used car salesman, but that kind of personality. So much of Lex in this movie is closer to Funky Flashman than to Lex Luthor. Now, are we putting this solely on the script or on Gene Hackman? I think we're putting this on the sort of comic grandiloquence of it that is, you know, the constant... I mean, I don't know. It's 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 a very strange. I mean, Hackman is great. You know, does Gene Hackman ever give a bad performance? No, of course not. Right. No. Um, you know, why is he dressed like that? This is not an era where you have the ruthless businessman that's still ten years in the future. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So now I I did see a note that I think Hackman pushed, and I and I don't know if it was he had to push hard, but this was the era in the comics where Lex Luthor was still dressing like a supervillain, mm-hmm. right? In the green, the green with the big. Elvis Collar and stuff, yeah. right? So in the comics at this time, is he the greatest arch criminal in the world and with this yes. brilliant intellect? And, and a brilliant evil scientist. That's the scientist part is sort of what they kind of leave out here. And okay. they just make him right. a criminal mastermind. But yes, he's a master criminal. Well, he does have he's an not- IQ of 200, which corresponds with Otis's weight. <laughs> but I mean, there's a line when he says, why is the most brilliantly diabolical leader of our time Surrounding himself with total nincompoop. I sort of go, that's a very good question. (laughs) Don't think too hard on that. And the film does not really answer it. It almost felt like that was just like Gene didn't realize the cameras were rolling. And (laughs) he was just like thinking out loud, like, if I'm supposed to be this amazing criminal, why are these dum-dums my help? I mean, Miss Tessmacher is not dumb. In fact, she's, there's a couple of gags about how she's very, very bright. Right, what yeah. Is, what does she even do? I mean, she doesn't seem to be a secretary. Well, she's a mall, right? She's the gangster's mall. She's the mall. Yeah, she's sort of positioned like like Harley Quinn as a sort of girlfriend, but not really. I but, thought of Harley as well. Mm-hmm. In the way that, Absolutely. that Luthor seems to... Again, borderline abusive relationship. I was like, that's Harley. I forgot that she's essentially wearing underwear in her first appearance. Oh, <laughs> boy. So much of the Miss Tessmacher stuff is deeply not woke. And now Miss <laughs> Tessmacher is, well, not on the show anymore. But she was on Supergirl as Cat Grant's oh, yeah, yeah. secretary. And yeah. they even did the gag, Cat Grant, played by Callista Flockhart. At one point, she's trying to find her. And she goes, Miss Tessmacher! So a couple of odd moments there, Colin, with her costuming. Oof. That first appearance, she is borderline showing a tit, right? Like, I was like, yeah. oh, this is... What about the pool scene later? Well, well, it's this weird, like, they don't know what to do with her. Is she a super vamp 
or is she the good girl gone wrong? So the first time we see yeah. her, she's almost got a tit hanging out. Then we see her like in the sunbathing, which is this funny bit, right? Where Otis is like engineering. He's got backdrops of tropical, uh, you know, seascapes. She is, air quotes, sunbathing, but she's wearing tights. She has a bathing suit on, but she very clearly has tights like she'd just gone to an aerobics class. Again, they don't know, do we make her the sexy vamp? Do we make her the good girl gone bad? It's just yeah, a weird I mean, it's a weird place. Even Otis seems to have tasks that he needs to accomplish. Getting Lex's I mean, robe. She, she, the next time, put my robe on after I'm out of the pool. <clears throat> She's later part of the stealing the nukes plan, but other than that, she just sort of hangs out and is that off screen? Oh yeah, it's off screen, well, not she, in a PG movie. Is it a sexual relationship? It doesn't even seem that way. Could or is have... she another trophy? Does Lex surround Ooh. himself? So he's he's two hundred feet below Park Avenue, right? Right. He has such built a good, such a good set, right? <laughs> right. But he's he's built this like opulent lair. Listen, and I is would, she another I would set live piece? there. The swimming pool that's like the bricked up entrance to another st- tunnel. Oh my yeah. God, that was so cool. Listen, I'd live there, hundred <laughs> percent. The library with the ladder that roll. I want that. Yeah, it was great. I've got like two shelves. I'm like a half height <laughs> bookshelf. It's it's horrible. But let's talk about the fact that he has to go down there to get that. But apparently you can have Lois's apartment on a reporter's salary. Yeah, <laughs> no thank you. <laughs> and also, right. while, while we're, we're kind of going along with that, so this is supposed to be Metropolis, not New York City, even right. though the Statue of Liberty is Delaware very, real and estate also, is not expensive. They say all this stuff about, you know, it's Metropolis, Metropolis. But then she says the line about Park Avenue. I'm like, well, Park Avenue only means Park Avenue in New York City because Syracuse has a Park Avenue and no one wants to live there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Take I it mean, from someone who used to live on Park Avenue <laughs> in Syracuse. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I feel like in this version of the DC world, there is no New York City. There's just Metropolis. And well, but even that. As opposed to the comics where you have this thing of like New York City, instead of being the cultural and economic center of the country, or at least the East Coast, like it sort of plays third fiddle to Gotham and Metropolis. Right. But, so I think you're probably spot on there that there isn't New York City, it's Metropolis. But I thought Metropolis is the is the clone of Chicago. Gotham City is New York City, right? I know that I know that in, in DC they're set, they're different cities, but Metropolis is supposed to be Chicago. I thought Metropolis was supposed to be Cleveland because that's where she What? Well, Jesus well, fucking DC. Eagle and Schuster when they one of them is actually from Toronto, but but there's a talk about Cleveland. Yeah. No, I mean, well, I always love the completely apocryphal Frank Miller line, which only really applies in the 70s and early 80s to New York City, that Metropolis is New York at day and Gotham is New York at night. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, he's fucking Frank Miller. Back when Frank Miller was brilliant and not just a misogynist. Oh. oh. Not when he was writing that Batman is the goddamn Batman. The goddamn Batman. Yeah, I mean, Otis works, but I feel like Otis is one of those moments we're grading on a curve. (laughs) That if Otis showed up in a superhero movie in 2018, we'd be like, what the fuck is this? But you know what he does? He does, and DC would be well served to remember this lesson from 40 years ago. Otis provides dynamics. He gives levity to the lethal, psychopathic Lex Luthor. Oh, absolutely. One thing I, I have to say that I was reminded of watching this movie again. You know who's very funny in this movie? Superman. 
He is. He, he's, he's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> he is He is very aware of the charade, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He, he even has a couple of corny one-liners, but they're like, I don't know. I think I feel like they don't feel like they cross into camp. Absolutely. Like his interview with Lois, phenomenal. We'll get there. Yeah, they're that's funny, they're funny one-liners like on your left in uh, in, in Captain America's in Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're knowing. I understand that reference. Sure, you know, sure. That, and it works, you know. And, and Christopher Reeve is just so charming. And I think it works because of Christopher Reeve. I don't think a, a, a lesser actor would not sell those well. We would be sitting here going, "Oh, that." Going down, you know, line. vibration. Um, did you catch in the scene where Luther and Miss Tassmacher are talking? And Luther says, Miss Tassmacher, when I was six years old, my father said to me, What was Miss Tassmacher's response? Get out. That's going to show up in a later film. So we've talked about the criminal gang. We've been <laughs> right. talking around Superman and Clark. Let's get to, so we get the first really heroic moment. Lois, because she is this tenacious reporter, the president is coming into Metropolis, and she's just going to the airport. She's going to interview him on the tarmac, I guess. Because did you, she's, did you uh, catch that felt very modern? Because she says, "Yeah, Air Force One's landing at the airport, and this kid's going to be there to make sure that you know who answers a few questions he'd rather duck." My goodness, don't you ever let up? Wow, that still works forty years later. <laughs> it still works, right? Forty-five. To me, that didn't feel modern. That felt like, "Hey, guys, it's only been five years since Watergate." Yeah. <laughs> right. Who was you know president I mean? at this point? Like, 78 is Carter. So what I call the Superman on Patrol montage. Echoed in Amazing Spider-Man 1 with Garfield, where he's literally, he helps the old lady across the street in front of the garbage truck. Remember that Mm -hmm. montage where he's getting tired and sick? But clearly we see it all. So so he he saves Lois, right? So the helicopter accident, she's dangling. Got a great line there. Easy, miss. I've got you. You've got me. Who's got you? I read that originally... He just saved Lois, and then Donner threw in what made what he called the double jeopardy scene. Right, that the helicopter falls as well, which of course Superman grabs, saves, and then it goes right into this montage. And I don't know if this is a critique, but it seems to go like basically no Superman in the film, and all of a sudden we get like a blast of this montage of Superman in a million places. He is uh, a funny gag play on the Adam West Batman. With climbing oh, yeah. up the building, right? Yeah. Where the the cat burglar. Hi there. Something wrong with the elevator? Did you read that when the cat burglar was falling and then Superman came after him and went to catch him and that shot on in the inside of that office and the guy looks behind him and he goes, nah, and goes back to work? Yeah. That guy had to be buckled in and turned sideways and the camera tilted yeah, so yeah. that they could do so their, hanging the visual down. gag. Yeah. I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Again, great. And you can kind of tell, like, the guy's moving like, I don't want to move too much. I don't want to move too much. Oh, God. You know, the cop car's chasing these criminals. They make it to a boat. He's on the boat. Bad vibrations? Literally rescues a cat from a tree. <laughs> Air Force One coming into Metropolis. I had this question, and then I found it later on. The voice of air traffic control is Chris Reeve. Is Christopher Reeve yeah. doing a southern accent? Yeah, right? like it's. I'm like, first of all, you're Metropolis. Why are you southern? People move. That's yeah. okay. Fair enough. Another great line, though. <laughs> so the engine goes out. Superman, of course, flies up underneath it and is supporting it. And the pilot looks to his left and he says, <laughs> "You know, he's already radioing the, the the engines out." He's like, "What the hell happened? We got our engine back? What the hell is going on out there?" Fly. Don't look, just fly. We got something. I ain't saying what it is. Just 
Trust me. Can I just ask a few questions of any Air Force veterans who might be around? Sure. Go so ahead. These guys should be wearing uniforms, right? Yes. So Air Force One. They those would be Air Force like pilots. Airline pilots. Those, those are air, those should be Air Force pilots. Absolutely. I mean, I know that Air Force One is just literally whatever plane. That's another thing. They say the president is on board. You don't have to say that. The fact that your call sign is Air Force One means. But in 78, did everyone know that? I mean, we kind of learned that with the movie Air Force One. Get off my plane. That's where I learned it. Some of us knew that before. Yeah, no, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. The plane is not Air Force One unless the president is on board. Theoretically, if the president got on a random commercial flight, it's Air Force One. But that's not what happened here. They just did not go to buy uniforms. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, there would be escorts. Yeah, like it's, there's a, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, how many engines are on Air Force One? More than two, probably four. Yeah. Four. If you lose one engine, your plane's fine. Yeah. That's why there's That's why four there's engines. Four, yeah, yeah. I was like, nope, sorry, that doesn't work that the plane's going down after, especially the outboard engine, the two in the middle are the ones that are the more important engines. Would it have not been that way in 78? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, a, it's now it's a 747, right? In the, in the, in the movie, in the it's a, a four engine, and I know that oh, four engines... losing one of four does not... Does not make it go... No, no, it does not. No, it does not. But it's very, <laughs> like, it's very impressive when it does. Hang the fuck on. That's right. But I love the scene where he rescues the kid. The kitten is great. Yeah. And I, I love the scene where he saves Air Force One, the, the salute that he gives. And the guy salutes back and then looks at his hand like, why am I saluting this flying I, I, man? See, I'm going to have trouble with just, after having the most fun. One of my favorite fun. recurring segments on the show, though, is Todd's military veteran corner. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely. How, how do they screw up military stuff? Oh, oh, I do have a mil- another military note. It'll come in in a minute. Oh, my uh, God. Uh, I can't wait. So let's talk about Lois's interview of Superman. My first note, when they sit down and she's giving him all the questions, did you catch? And how big are you? How tall are you? Do all of your bodily functions? Whoa. Yeah. She went from zero to sex. She wants the KD, Kryptonian (laughs) dick. I mean, it's a pretty sexy scene, really. It It, really is. I mean, even like the way he says, are you married? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Do you have a girlfriend? Uh, no, I don't, but, uh. If I did, Miss Lane, you'd be the first to know about it. It's a good romantic comedy so, scene dropped I, in the middle of this movie. I'll tip my hand. Favorite scene yeah, in the movie. I, and I would believe, I believe this is the part where I'd say, if this was Archer, they would say... Blue sh- so, That's right. That's right. That's right. So what color panties am I wearing? Ooh. They're pink and wet. That's, that's <laughs> absolutely They're correct. pink, but like a darker pink that's right. in, in the, the middle. One, in the, not so much so, here or here, but right in here. That's right. Oh, so, God. How do we feel in this scene about, I mean, it's good construction from a screenwriting standpoint, but how do we feel about the fact that he tells everybody about Krypton and lead and not lying? And those all come back to bite him in the ass. So this is like a day or two after his first appearance, right? It's got to be like a week at best. The right? patrol montage was just a couple of days. I feel like it was the same night. The like same he's night? like, well, I'm okay. in the costume. Might as well oh, do know, all this had, other shit. Wait, it had to be because she was going to the airport because the president was coming in. Mm-hmm. It's literally the same night. So it's not the same night because she had a date with Clark that night and she didn't have a date with Clark the night she was going oh, to Oh, okay. So let's say it's like two days later. Okay. How does Lois... In the beginning of that, she has a bunch of questions that, like, of power sets. That's almost exposition. 
How does Lois know that, if this is her first real encounter? Uh, is it true that uh, you can see through anything? I feel like there's been some eliding of time here, because even like his relationship with Lois and Jimmy, I feel like in between scenes here, we're looking at a couple of weeks passing. Then boo on the... That's probably me making headcanon, but you know. Well, listen, as That's you right. know, we'll accept that. We'll accept headcanon, yeah. That's right. As we're talking about the interview, cannot skip maybe the best line in the movie about the interview. This will be the most important interview since God talked to Moses. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Je- that's right. Later. Jackie yeah. Hoover. Oh, right. Yeah, because that Beforehand. sets up. Yeah. Just yeah. a fucking beautiful line. <laughs> beautiful and he, he delivers it so well. That could be an object oh. lesson in taking a gag line and giving the illusion of the first time. Because you see him go. He's going to wind up with the single most important interview since... God talk to Moses. Yeah, it's the way he sets his jaw as he's mm-hmm. like you could see it's a moment for him. Like it comes through. Yeah. yeah. Jackie Cooper had been acting for what seventy years. I mean, Se- seven hundred. Yeah, exactly. Right. Again, a lesser actor would have not sold that line as it's, well. It's Charlton Heston in Wayne's World too, right? <laughs> with, with the, the old guy in the gas station. Wait, wait. Can't we get somebody better? And they bring in Charlton Heston. Move it along, guys. Have we avoided what happens in the next scene long enough now? All right. So the interview leads to the flight with the right. iconic song, Can You Read My Mind? Can You Read Is My that, Mind? That's what, that's what I was suggesting. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. It's, oh, yeah, I know. it's a wonderful scene, but you know what? I'm if, gl- if, if in some version of this, if they could just cut out Marco Kidder singing and just put in the orchestration. Fun fact, if you happen to have the DVD that I have from when the film first came out on DVD, there is a score-only track. So you could watch the whole movie with just the score, which is actually kind of amazing, too. Ooh. Because uh, Christopher Reeve could have been a silent movie star. You mean literally no dialogue? Just no the John Williams score? John Williams score. I got to look if, at the Blu-ray has that. If you switch to that track, the flight (laughs) (laughs) you don't get anything oh that's beautiful you just get a lot of gorgeous knowing looks and glances you do not get that you know that's a wonderful scene to establish the relationship between these two right Mm -hmm. which is i can't you know but to be fair it predates peter pan and Mary Jane, right? Like it's it's Peter Pan and What's Mary Peter, Jane. Peter Peter Parker. <laughs> Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Sorry. <laughs> Peter Pan, huh? Peter Pan flew with children, Lois. I was waiting for him to be like, I'm a man. But then she would have to say, You're still wearing tights. <laughs> how big are you? Right. Yeah, that's right. I mean well, how tall. My penis yeah. is a tentacle. That's normal on Earth people, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Easy guys. Great flying sequence from the moment he's arrives on the balcony the interview i love all that but my very favorite moment is the conclusion of the interview superman flies away we can talk about the special effect in a second because you see it on my face yes i know i know you want to talk about if there's ever any doubt about how amazing christopher reeve is as an actor it's the moment in which clark comes in lois goes to the other room to get ready to go to dinner with clark and you see clark physically transform while standing there into superman it's so holy amazing. fuck it is the greatest special effect in the whole film it 100 percent, it, it, and it's him and it is great acting and it's you know and to be fair so clearly as clark he's slouching his posture changes but it's not it's just posture too. it's it's everything that's the moment where if you don't 
respect and love Christopher Reeve for what he brought to this genre, mm-hmm. then you then you missed that part of the movie. And I think Cavill, well, Colin, you haven't gotten to Justice League yet, but Cavill is becoming a really great Superman. We just we haven't seen enough of his Clark to to really be like uh, there's a strong difference. You know, we get a little bit of him in Batman v Superman, but I don't know. I feel yeah. like they don't really try and go for the dual personality look at Superman and Clark. It's more just like. He wears glasses, so no one recognizes him. So he's definitely playing the sort of pre-crisis. Though though by this point, Clark had sort of become more of his own character and was less sort of the quote-unquote classic nerd. Right. Um, They're playing almost 20 years earlier in the comics version. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I think there's there's an interesting theory that could be developed about the relationship between Clark and Superman and the relationship of people who wear glasses and public, you know, and like their perception in public, like people who wear glasses now aren't nerds. They're people who wear glasses. It's, you know, you can be super cool and wear glasses and sure. Agreed. Clark being his own hard charging reporter and a guy that people find attractive. That's a John Byrne era thing. Sure. Um, so he's definitely playing both Clark and Superman as sort of put on versions. And in between, there's the real person. But good God, it's you, just, I mean, that is a masterclass in physical acting. It, absolutely. It is. And as we've said, hey, some of the effects, you know, if you look at them now, we chuckle at them, but we got to remember where they, you know, what they had available at the time. And for the time, it was groundbreaking none of that matters in that scene you stack that moment when he decides i'm going to tell her who i am and he transforms and then the chicken out there. and going back going into back, it oh. I, I look marvel fanboy that i am watching that i was struck i was like holy fuck that is the moment of the movie for me 100 that, that, that is as good as this movie gets and that's fucking masterclass. So oh. what's interesting about it is it's so much about a secret identity which is a concept that modern on-screen superhero adaptations are distinctly disinterested in with the one exception of hawkeye in age of ultron I feel yes. like this revelation that Hawkeye has a secret family and he's mm-hmm. got a house in Virginia and like yeah. that—that's the equivalent now. And Peter in Homecoming. Yeah, that's fair. Spider-Man is basically the only total nobody knows who he is in the MCU almost. Uh, but even yeah, I feel like in the I feel like with Hawkeye, it's like people probably know that Hawkeye is Clint Barton. They don't know that Clint Barton has a secret family. That's why the family has to be so secret. Yeah, that's kind you know? of the twist there. Sure, right. Yeah, but, Shield, but, Fury helped him set up a secret yeah. identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah, somebody hiding even from their close friends and family who they are. And even Homecoming, spoiler for the end of Homecoming, is less interested in that now. That whole I'm hiding who I am, there's two parts of me thing. I guess Bruce Wayne and Batman in the Nolan things, except... You know, they preferred to just kind of have a lot of winking, yeah, I don't think you're Batman stuff, but I know you are. Something is ruined by HG in this. Oh. When Superman flies away in this amazing continuous shot of her opening the door, you're like, oh my God, how did they do this? How did they change so quickly? The shot of him flying away is just a projection. Right. And it's very clear in HG. You're like, oh, Oh, is it? I didn't uh, notice. It's not clear. You watch it on DVD, right? I know. I watched. It was definitely like 
at least 720 maybe yeah i don't know maybe ah uh, yeah it's super it, you, super it's, obvious yeah. so so talk about that effect right because so it's, it's a single shot it's a single shot lois is, is standing there uh superman's on the perch of her balcony and says uh, you know i'll fuck you later i don't know yeah, right. <laughs> i think i don't so, think he says anything uh, yeah uh, he does he says something real quick kind of waves to her and flies away and as she he's flying away she starts walking into her apartment and says, What if Superman Superman comes up with the name of Superman? I was fine with that. Yeah. Better than it is in Man of Steel. But people, why? Right. That's right. <laughs> There's a knock at her door. She goes over and Clark's there. All done in one super continuous shot. And it's just kind of like... How is he in two places? Yeah, how did they get Christopher Reeve, the actor, from Superman to Clark in the span of 10 seconds tops? Right. It is because all the Superman shot is a projection, and she is just like talking... on a glass plate or well, something? That, something. That's all the flying is done, is a, is a, is a front projection. Yeah. But, uh, but not only a front projection of him flying away but him in the shot so they took a shot that they'd already filmed right of him so it's like a double front projection it right it's projecting it in the scene with margot kidder right she's interacting with a projection right and then, and know, then christopher, the real reeve christopher reeve is dressed obviously. as clark kent outside her it's, door it's amazing they should have just hidden a cut in the wall like the like Hitchcock doesn't rope. I think Donner was, was trying not to do that. So right, yeah. I'm fine with it. It's just, and like we've talked about it many times, in 1978, they didn't know what 1080p was. Sure. You know, it wasn't a, the, a way that they could see a resolution size. So to them, they're like, this is amazing. And it was. Growing up as a kid, I always like, even when I started to realize, you know, movie magic and all that stuff, I'm like, how did they do this? Right. Watching it and, oh, that's how they did it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh. I still feel like if you're not looking for it, storytelling-wise, it works. It, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Agree. It does. It's fine. It holds up. It's just knowing that it's a projection kind of, like, takes away from it a little. But it's a, it's a great way to get around. We're not going to cut in between her walking from outside to inside. We want this to be looking like a continuous shot of Superman taking off to being Clark Kent. I thought it was a fine way to get yeah. around it. We end what, in my opinion, might be the greatest scene in this movie, but yeah, we'll wait till the end. Okay, so we get back to Luthor. Now, Luthor has turned his attention to Superman. He recognizes that Superman is a threat, and mm -hmm. he is turning his considerable intellect. Here's the line about 200. It's a number with great significance to both of us, my IQ and your weight. Right. Right. Uh, and so he starts piecing together. This is another place where the time doesn't work. Now, to your point, Superman has given him a whole lot of information. He gives him a time when Krypton exploded. He talks about not being able to see through lead. Luther pieces all this together and realizes there is a green meteorite that landed in Addis Ababa, mm -hmm. which is in Ethiopia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's apparently come from several galaxies away. Yeah, it's a it's a it there's a little bit of sense. science hand waving there. <laughs> oh yeah, it's total science fiction nonsense. We immediately move then to his original plot, which had to do with hijacking these nuclear missiles. Right. He'd already done an info dump about real estate, you know, on the West Coast, and it's kind of the, the true info dump doesn't come until later. Yeah, yeah, but but he's already alluded that land is mm -hmm. this is a land grab heist, right? right? So, uh, so we're going to see a couple ways, and this is almost like a wily e. Coyote type caper. 
with yeah, Luthor versus pretty, yeah. the the nuclear missiles, right? I mean, <laughs> basically. Did you did oh and of course Miss Tessmacher as the honeypot. So, right. So the first first time they the do it. Kind of rapey honeypot. Like that soldier that wants to give her mouth to mouth is super disappointed he's not going to kiss the totally unconscious, just was in a very bad car accident woman. I was like, Whoa, yeah, so that, oh boy. that's not a scene that it holds up. So Larry Hagman, right? So we mentioned Larry Hagman, supposed to be on set for one day. Do you know who was originally supposed to play that part? No. Bill Cosby. I've got the victim on the ground with the accident. So Hey, he's going to jail. He's going to jail. It's safe now. So it's safe to say he's not coming on the podcast. Okay. So, uh, so she is really, I mean, again, <clears throat> at the moment where we don't know what to do with her, is she sex pot? Is she bad girl gone wrong? Mm-hmm. This is firmly in the sex pot, right? Like, 100%. She, again, almost has left boob. I feel like left boob is the one that always wants to make the appearance. <laughs> left tit. I should, not boob is too sterile. Tit. Left tit wants to make the appearance. Uh, <laughs> does not, but, but in a very creepy move. <laughs> Larry Hagman orders the soldiers to um, vigorous chest massage. That doesn't work. Um, uh, uh, mouth to mouth. Yes, sir. Sergeant, I won't have one of my men doing anything I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. Yeah, but sir, in an ambulance. All right, men, gather around. Come out, please. It's, it's really su- like, why do they keep ending up in these super, these Superman? movies yeah it's really bizarre because in supergirl there's a flat-out attempted race <laughs> so let's talk about the nuclear convoy well before Colin. we get there real quick okay because I, I i i see you getting prepped to i i feel I'm, like there's a here's the thing coming <laughs> that's right. um something that has been lost again with uh with computer generation the remote control car yeah the flipping of it. Did you catch the pneumatic um, no, was there a spike, spike that popped down to, to flip the car? Like, no. Oh, oh no, pneumatic spikes. That. Those are gone now. Those are gone, right. All right, go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd's rant. First of all, okay, it's a nuclear missile. So you have the tractor trailer, and is it three pickup trucks? Yeah. So, so, um, it, oh no. so in the real world, the Air Force controls our strategic missile arsenal, mm-hmm. right? Like your, yours, mine, and Casey's, or yes, the collective, yes, right, <laughs> all of ours, the collective ours. Uh, so th- they do occasionally transport, you know, nuclear weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. When they do, it is a massive undertaking. It's right. far more than three pickup trucks with the snowman driving the tractor trailer. Right, though they did say that the road was supposed to be closed. Yeah, it's yeah, it's way more. Yeah, so I, that piece, I was like, oh. And then, of course, they're bumbling. And the fact that Super when bumbling. something happens on the road, the fact that everyone goes to, she's a hot blonde, I'll give her that. But the fact that, like, literally they all, like, leave the nuclear weapon <laughs> behind. Yeah. So that annoys me. So, yeah, so I'm done. I'm done. Okay. That is where maybe the verisimilitude sign wasn't, getting enough attention it had fallen down yeah. this was late in the production the tape had gotten right. less sticky and they just fell down and they forgot for a day you know it's a funny bit though so otis gets an attempt first to reprogram the missiles <laughs> and he misses by one number what about the fourth one what, what, what fourth one? Oh, wait a minute wait a minute wait, wait a minute 
The third one to 117? Yes, she, I wrote it down, Mr. Luther. I wrote Otis! The third one was supposed to be 11, and the fourth one, 7. He's turned 11 and 7 into 117 because uh-huh. his arm's not long enough. And then the next scene is there is Luthor's making another attempt. Again, the Wiley Coyote aspect. Uh, a little bit sobering. Otis has this noticeable black eye. Like I, I kind of yeah. liked it because it was like some fun. Like, I definitely don't want anyone to get the shit kicked out of sure. there. But, you know, Luther like gets off the wheel of it, the and just goes true. back there. It was just a nice subtle touch of Otis got his ass handed to him. Okay. In this scene. All right. And okay. it was there the rest of the movie. It, that's so, true. That's true. Second attempt is the charm. Uh, Miss <laughs> Tensbacher climbs up over this uh, bridge. Uh-huh. It's in, you know, reprograms it. So now we're in business, right? Uh, so we cut to Lois, his, for a Metropolis-based reporter, she's a broad yeah, yeah, sphere a of influence, right? Right. Well, she's out west. She's near, she's on the San, some... San Andreas Fault. And it looked like she was speaking to a Native American. Yep, like a okay. chief, right? Who and she's questioning. Or excuse me, an indigenous person. Indigenous person questioning this odd land deal. They've he's this tribe has sold a whole lot of land to this unknown investor at very uh-huh. high prices. Mm. And who could uh, that be? Mm, not a clue. I love that line. Though. At the stupid high price he offered for this worthless piece of desert, I hope it's custom. <laughs> oh, I didn't even hear that. Nice, nice. See, that's the kind of stuff I expect in a Richard Donner film. We we mentioned earlier, all of a sudden, similar to the hypersonic sound that only Hyde could hear in mm-hmm. Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, we now hear this ultrasonic Luthor is talking directly to Superman. Literally the same thing. Dogs start it, freaking out. It's the literally it's the a, same thing. It's a great. It's a great idea. It, it, it's a mm-hmm. really cool so one. good that they use it again in League, right? Like uh, yeah, right? twenty five years later. Sadly, the uh, we made fun of it in uh, <laughs> Supergirl. Clark's d- suicide attempt out the window <laughs> yes. to just magically he's in the Superman outfit. He just drops. I out mean, of the window. How hard would it have been to build him a tearaway suit and he just rips the whole thing off as it, he goes? It's kind of cheesy. I, oh, yeah. Boy. yeah. How do you feel about the spin down into the uh, sewer? Yeah, yeah. Like you've made a permanent hole in the sidewalk. That's a that's a safety hazard. Somebody's well, gonna see, fall. Well, he away. does say, was, "Everyone stand back, please." Yeah, but I the hole remains. A man. I thought he was unscrewing a manhole by spinning fast. Yeah, it, yeah except, no, he was, no, he, he was clearly a hole. He, he he fucks some shit up. Like that's. Could you not walk over to a manhole, lift it up, and go and walk? And also, what perfect opportunity for the superhero landing? When he's spinning, there's a good. When he's done spinning. Sure. There's a good six feet before he I gets feel to like the ground. That's not even a thing. It's I not know even an idea it could have been the invention of it. <laughs> he does not use vision or breath powers. Oh, sorry, he uses X-ray vision, but he doesn't use heat vision or breath powers at all in this movie. You're right. Yeah, good point. Good point. Now, I now he will face heat and cold, right? So, so that we've talked a bunch in this about yeah. Zack Snyder's. Uh, homages in his other movies. When Superman and Batman have their final confrontation in BVS, the the flames, the machine gun, that's all in both. Is Snyder doing that as an homage to this? With with and you know, um, you can kind of look at oh, Bat Oh, you mean you mean the whole when he goes through the, the um 
all the the traps going into Luther's lair. Yeah, uh, they they none of, none of that is in the theatrical release. Right. right. But clearly Snyder would have seen it. Yeah, cuz it's been oh, yeah, on every sure. product everyone since. Sure, sure. Um cuz it's awesome. Is this supposed to be an homage to this great moment in the Richard Donner Except films? Except we don't get the cold, which is the, the cheesiest of these threats. And I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah. Because that's where he should use his heat vision. Instead, right. Instead, instead he, he's just like, he's rawr. encapsulated and then he breaks it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he confronts Luthor in the lair. And now the, the grand scheme is revealed, right? So you can't, even you can't be in two places at once. Well, you're wrong. He is that fast. He could. He literally turns the, the world around yeah, later. Right. So, so he, he could, could but okay, we'll we'll allow that Luthor has put you into this moral philosophy right. question, Which, right? You know, when we talked about Man of Steel, you talked about the way that you find the writing of Superman sometimes dissatisfying sure. because he's too overpowered. And I think this is a great example of how to how to write a challenge for Superman that you can say some but not all. Yes, right. right. You can't you can't yeah. you can't threaten him with machine guns. You can threaten him with a moral quantity. That's yeah. true. Yeah, right, that's exactly. fair. That's um, fair. And that's I think that's a really smart way to write it. Before we get to that part, when he's laying out the, the big plan out with the map <laughs> on the floor. The old monologuing. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. Total classic villain monologue. The whole Otisburg gag. <laughs> Otisburg. <laughs> I oh. loved it. Who's this monster guy? She's got her own place, Otisburg. It's a little bitty place. Otisburg? And I remember it well. Uh, one thing I don't think I ever noticed before is when he says, Miss Tessmacher got her own place. Did you see what Miss Tessmacher's place was? No. no. <clears throat> Tessmacher Peaks. Oh, 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 oh. That's it. Come she on. has large breasts. Oh, so no. Um, I also like in that scene um, when Superman first gets to Lex, and Lex says, Otis, uh, take the gentleman's cape. The look that Chris Reeve gives him <laughs> great. is like, if you touch my cape, I'm ripping your fucking arms <laughs> off. That's right. Yeah, that's that's right. Great. It's great. It's, it's so well, good. But but Ned Beatty, though, in his move towards it, it, he's expecting that he's like, oh, no, that's a bad idea. That's Let me turn around. Dude. Yeah, I have my qualms about the necessity of Otis as a character. But, but he Ned does it. He is fantastic. Yeah. You, you can't argue about the execution of it, right? The, no, not at all. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we've shit on Marlon Brando for not being able to pronounce Krypton correctly by saying Krypton. Krypton. Uh, the fault line in, in California. What's that called? Yeah. That's the San Andreas. Yeah, not... Oh, the San Andreas Fault. Maybe. No, not at all. It's Jan... <laughs> it's Jan DeHan. <laughs> I was just like, wait. Gene Reno. Are these guys, because they have Oscars, can you just not correct them? Do you like, if you and, go to correct them on something, do you throw it at them? To, to be fair to Brando, Gene Hackman lived a lot closer to the San Andreas Fault than uh, Brando lived to Krypton. This is very true. <laughs> oh, boy. Well played. Well played. I was yeah. just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. San Andreas? <laughs> uh, in that context, though, Colin, of how you challenge this you know, near omnipotent uh, yeah. being, you know, so you, you, you throw a moral quandary at him, right? Not a physical challenge. Um, how great that Luthor also like tricks him in a way that is entirely like he's fallible here. Mm -hmm. the, the old misdirection of, well, there's a, you know, there's a detonator will destroy them, but you know, you're not going to find that. And as Superman scans the room, 
Uh, it's literally in the place I can't look because of lead. Really? You think that lead's... A- and that's a plot in one of the comics, and maybe it's a Generations. So, I, you know, oh, I always yeah, come back yeah, to yeah. Generations. There's a whole bit where Superman says, you know, lead is not invisible to me. It's literally a thing I can't see through. So It's Man of Steel, the... Oh, is it, is it Man of Steel? Okay. Well, he meets Batman for the first time. Yeah. Yes, he's able to. He's able to search those coffins really quickly. Yep. Because yep, yep, he yep. found them because he couldn't see through them. But again, okay, that would work. You could, if you were a good enough bluffer, you could totally get Superman to open that chest. And again, a lesser, a, a lesser actor. That quick look that Gene Hackman gives to his desk. Yeah. A lesser actor would have really been like, oh, we should not look over there. He does it so beautifully. Almost like it's an unconscious. Uh-huh. It's a brilliant yeah. it's a brilliant scene. I, so it's it's yeah, not no. so much Gene, it's Gene as Lex really selling that moment. That's a yeah, there's layers there. Like it's very what's happening there is brilliant. Oh, and it works wonderfully. It's actually kryptonite that's in there. <gasps> what a twist. He's thrown into the pool. And who saves the day? Miss Desmacher speaks. That's right. When she was in all white and she jumped in that pool, I was like, oh no, this is not going to end. But she has like seven layers in front of her. Panels or something. I was like, oh good. Oh no, because that's always awkward. Oh oh, yeah, that that was my thought too. Oh good. Yes. (laughs) I was so happy that was Uh, the case. So uh, even in this movie, sure. The power of moms. Gets them to do what they want. <laughs> Miss Tessmacher's mom lives in Hackensack. Lex, my mother lives in Hackensack. He's half dead from the kryptonite. And what does Miss Tessmacher do before she takes it off? She kisses him. Consent. There's no consent in this consent. universe. Consent. Yeah, no. L- listen, he's, he's okay with it. And it, that's what tells us. So we didn't know through the whole movie. But we realize at the end. Miss Tensmacher is the good girl gone bad. Right. She, you know, and she asks the question, why do I always fall for the bad ones, right? And his look there is like, oh, I'll show you how to fall is for it, the good ones I, if I didn't have to go save the world right now. I thought he was going to lean in and kiss her again. Yeah. But, but he doesn't. But it's a really sweet moment between the two of them. And then he says, you better stand back. Rockets up through the ceiling. The masonry falls, which looked like actual masonry <laughs> with her in the set below. I was like... So clearly she would have been to the side, but I'm like that. The insurance guy in me was like, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't like this. Can we (laughs) approach this in a different way? No, no. So we see a whole series, like fucking all of the miniatures in Hollywood are now enlisted. (laughs) It is so 70s. The miniatures themselves are okay. What never holds up in these miniature things is water. (laughs) Water moves so much different. Yeah at this level than it would at that yeah. actual scale of that much water. And it 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 always has looked fake. Yeah. It, it, the rocks that tumble in. <laughs> like, yeah. The, it's yeah. And it, of course, when the San Andreas fault causes problems, what's the first thing we see falling apart? The Golden Gate Bridge. Golden Gate Bridge. How Bridge. fucking original. Right. Hollywood, find another landmark well, in California. Well, unfortunately, they found another landmark that's not in California. The Hoover Dam. <laughs> that's yeah. right. The Hoover that's Dam right. is in Nevada. That's right. That's it's in the border of Nevada and mm-hmm. Arizona. Also, the Hoover Dam was built in 1933. So why is Jimmy taking pictures of it? He's not that good. And while we're on the, the Hoover Dam doesn't make sense in this movie... There's no fucking town down the down the stream from the Hoover Dam. It's complete desert. You mean there's not a fertile, lush green valley? Oh my God, <laughs> this that 
Yeah, I, I understand the the. Well, no, I don't. I don't understand yeah. why it's there. <laughs> it's it's, like, it makes it's, no sense. I may be showing my hand for the end of the movie. Th- there's a yeah. It's so okay. Let's just get to it. So Lois is crushed. Her car has driven into literally into the fault. She's drowned in dirt. Oh, Which is kind and of a terrifying scene. It's super terrifying, especially since like it looks like they were really pouring dirt it's, on yeah, Margot Kidder. It's, yeah, yeah. Woof. Looks like that really hurt. You know, I would think she's sitting in the car. She's got at a weird angle. Oh, the racks yeah. are coming in. Yeah, that can't feel good. You know what she needs to do? She needs a little bit of. She can go to 315 Chiropractic and Wellness. Oh. Veteran-owned small business. Veteran-owned and they're a small business? Yes. I like what you're saying. Go ahead. Specializing in chiropractic care, rock taping, personal training, fitness, nutrition, and life coaching. They offer a discount for first responders as well as referral discounts. So if you want to get in contact with this wonderful new business here in town... You can find them on Facebook at 315 Chiropractic and Wellness. They can also be reached via email, 315chiropractic at gmail.com. And you can also call them at 315-464-0030. For your chiropractic work, you would want to talk to Dr. Timothy Whiting. For your wellness consultant, you'd want to talk to Christina Watson. So Superman pulls the car out. She is covered in dirt to her, you know, mid chest, and super duper dead. And we get the superhero. This may be the best scream in all of cinema history. You feel the weight of everything of the death of Lois. Mr. Wilhelm will argue with you, but Uh, (laughs) that's the most overused scream, (laughs) and like. Just his face and everything, it, and him flying up. He's mad and oh, you know, it's so it's, good. It's good until the planet stops spinning and then reverses. Sure, yeah, it is ruined I, by I, that. I, yes, my note just reads, "That's not how time." <laughs> and especially if and if we go with the conceit that that's how time works in this universe. When he's reversing all of the debris and the San Andreas Fault, sure. then guess what? The missile on the other side of the country is still going to blow up. You gotta that go got to go address that. Too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it, listen. None of it works. It, and and it, it shows because that wasn't the end of the movie. Right. You saying that makes a lot of sense because in a movie which is otherwise very internally consistent, mm-hmm. all of a sudden falls apart in the last 10 minutes. It's the literally worst. like we yes. are right at the end. And they, this is a marathon. They have been in first place the whole time, and they do that thing that you see of oh. those embarrassing marathon runners, sure. where they start cheering before they get to the end. Two and blocks away, goes, somebody's yeah. Oh it, it's man, ridiculous. it's sad. So everyone knows the movie's been out a while. He fucking <laughs> spins the planet backwards, turns back time, saves things, but then. Turns it back to get it spinning again. I'm like, oh, it's so fucking dumb. It's so okay. dumb. It, saves it, saves well, Lois. Let me just say, it is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely no problem with it as a child, and I sure. feel like this is the moment where they have gone, fuck it, it's for kids. Right. I, I 100% agree. I never question this as a child. That's, that's not good. But that's, I think, where they're coming from here. That's and, fair. And to that's the fair. point, it, it's the same ending that's in two, because that was supposed to be the ending. In three and four, when he doesn't do that, I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> Why, Why are he, you turning that's back That's what time? Superman does. He spins the world around he and fixes things. Turn well, back I mean, time. No, please. No, I mean, no. You missed the dancing. That's, that, that's, 
that that is the classic time travel issue. I mean, why is there not a time turner used in Harry Potter four, five, six, and seven? Sure. Well, because yeah. all the time turners were uh, destroyed after the movie yeah. and the book, uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban. No! You know, the only thing good about that is that we've foreshadowed that by Jor-El. Absolutely, you know, like, no, like, this is the law from on high. You must not interfere with humans' history. Well, uh, how do we feel about Cloud Jor-El? Cloud Jor-El is definitely odd. I forgot about <laughs> Cloud Jor-El. It's so I stupid. That, I forgot that Pod gets a voiceover, too. Sure does. Cloud Formation Jor-El oh, is like, fuck you. what the right. fuck is yeah. happening in this movie? Yeah. And he says, Simba. What does you must not interfere with human history mean? Does it literally mean don't fuck with time? Or does it mean, like, because he is interfering with human history sans Superman is Lois Lane falls to her death in that air, that helicopter. I think it means he's not supposed to turn back time. I think, like, like maybe Jor-El knew, like, how powerful his son would be. And he's saying, do not do this thing, which, of course, Kal-El does this thing. It's all a little squishy, and it's probably yeah. squishy because it was designed designed to be played out over that, two films. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Agreed. Even as a kid, I remember being like, you know, like the 20th time we watched this as kids. I was like, wait, what does he mean human history? Because, like, intervening with the course of history is right. what Superman does. Interv- is he messing with their destiny, like going forward or going backwards? Yeah. So then if the if the absolute insult to science wasn't enough, then we're going to absolutely upend everything related to our society's uh, criminal justice system. Right, because what is Superman's <laughs> truth, <laughs> justice, and the American way? Yeah, but You might want to take justice out well, of that. Yeah, he drops saying. Luthor and Otis off in a prison. Well, no, you bring them to the police. The police will arrest them. The district attorney will prosecute them. And then following the results of a trial, yeah, it's, yeah. And the warden is like, who is this man? He's like, Lex Luthor, the greatest criminal mind of our time. Okay, then you belong in jail. Yeah. That's not how That's not the how legal works. system works. To say, yeah, right. the number of people awaiting trial in Rikers Island right now. They, they have the barge, right? The, it's the raft. The no, raft. Wait, sorry. That's, yeah. That just works on a, on a total comic book level. Right. Right. There's no due process. Right. And then he flies um, off. We get the uh, iconic that has been used in every iteration of Cinema Superman flying up out of the world, smiling at the camera, and flying away. Sure. Yep. And moving. All right. right. So that was a movie, guys. That was a movie. But we got some questions now. It was Superman. (laughs) Well played. You're right. Colin, in this movie, who was your most valuable performer? Uh, yeah, this is not hard. It's Christopher Reeve. One hundred percent. I mean, there it's a deep, deep bench in this film. It is an extraordinarily well cast film and their the casting and the good acting throughout really makes it, but it lives and breathes on that unbelievable dual performance that you know has kind of never been surpassed, you know? Again, I think if you put Christopher Reeve's whole career into that moment mm. where he transforms from Clark to Superman back and to back. Clark, yeah. It, th- that's masterclass right there. It's yeah, so, so good. So that's a times three. We got to try fact yeah, on that. Absolutely. Christopher Reeve. It is 100% Christopher Reeve. Colin, yeah. who is your favorite character? Who is my favorite character? Oh. 
I think it's Pa. Ooh. Oh, interesting choice. I like it. Interesting I can't argue choice. with that. I think I just love, I love who Pa is in this because it's such a logical progression from, and it's, I mean, it is compared to Man of Steel or even, you know, I mean, Pa was alive for years and years and years post-crisis. Um, he didn't die oh. in the Superboy era. You know, he stayed alive. He was at the wedding, you know, like right. alive for years and years. Um, but compared to so many other versions, it's a very short time with him. But just that one, that like walk up the dirt path, you just go, oh, that's why he grows up to be who he is. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so I respect that one. But okay. I go with Super, I, I, Clark Superman. slash Superman. Yeah, Clark slash Kal El. I mean, Oh, but which one? Which one? Oh, because uh, they are dual in this one. Later movies, you can say the same. Yeah, favorite character. There, uh, there's a third in later. You know, movies. I, I will say, I will say Clark, because as Quentin Tarantino brilliantly wrote in Kill Bill Volume Two, Clark is the disguise. Clark is not the real. Being, right. you know, seeing him put on this disguise as Clark, I mean, that's that's the the skill. That's that's where it's at. Yeah. Can can I just say on that? There's that great bit where she says, "You know, not many people say swell anymore." <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. And then and then Superman says, "I never lie," and rescues a cat from a tree. And I think, in a very subtle way, the film ties them together as the same person that they are yes clark is probably more of the disguise in this version sure but they they are still expressions of the same basic decency i'll take that yeah yeah i think uh, uh, superman is a maybe a more pure version a more real version of clark's um purity well again tarantino says it that's because superman is his real being right. Clark is putting on a disguise. Right. Yeah. You know, when this conversation will get real interesting is the next movie. Yeah. Oh, it, that's, that's fair. A, we, spend, we spend a lot of time with a undisguised Superman. Sure. Right. Sure. And that movie's got so many highs, but there are a lot of lows. Well, I can't Superman wait. To, too. So I've never watched the Donner cut. I know you oh, have so it. Good. We've talked about it. I've never. So really I look good. forward to that. Okay. Um, my favorite character. Yes. Since you guys have taken the other two that are great. I'm going to go. I'm going to give a little Otis, love to Otis, that. Otis, Otis, no. Nope, that Air Force pilot. Fly. <laughs> don't look. <laughs> he's great. I'm he is like, great. That guy's awesome. I don't know who that actor is or what, but he, he, I laughed for a good 10 seconds I, of that. Just It's he, very funny. Sadly, that actor, his career is clearly not big enough. On IMDb, he does not have a photo. Which oh, no. is too bad because he it is a He's that's great. a that's one of the lines he I remember the shit out of it yes from growing up yeah absolutely oh okay Colin what's the best scene in this movie oh, the best scene <laughs> in this movie yeah I think it's I think the God that is hard it's so many good scenes in this movie you're not wrong it's um, now nah, the best scene in this is uh, is that is the moment where he. Um, where he, after the interview, when he considers telling her, rejects telling her, and transforms from Clark to Superman and back. A thousand percent. That's I'm going to take just the whole scene, though. 
I'm going to say that whole... Oh, the whole interview? I count I mean, that whole, as... The whole interview, yeah. Yeah, well, that's... If, yeah, yeah. if we could cut out the flight because it's got the... Can you read my mind? Can well, yeah. If we could cut that out... <laughs> oh, boy. Todd Sagan. <laughs> uh, Please tell me you're going to drop in Barbara singing. <laughs> Barbara Streisand sings this song? Get yourself to the YouTube. Oh, fuck. Damn it. That means I'm going to have to post it. She, I share a birthday with her. I'm not happy about this. Uh, yeah. You know who I share a birthday with? Hitler? Justin fucking Bieber. <laughs> we were doing this at work the other day, and one of the guys there is like, oh, my birthday is this. And we found out he shares a birthday with PewDiePie, the YouTuber. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. That may be worse than Barbara Streisand. My favorite scene is all the the stuff that takes place on Lois's terrace slash apartment. That's fair. Okay. Just to yeah. include all that amazing interview sure. stuff, too. That's in fair. There. But yeah, that physical moment of him turning from Superman or from Clark to Superman and back is oh god. That's the best. That's the best of a great scene. That's the best moment oh, of a great so scene. Good. I agree. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Colin, what is one scene that you would cut? <laughs> well, you know, I could tell you, or could you just read my mind? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, so that does not bother me as the end. And I don't know what you do with it, but we've the talked a little movie? bit. We've no. talked before about maybe not cut as much as rewrite. And yeah. I don't know what the solution is, but the fucking turning the planet backwards just. Well, is what so Colin cheesy. said, you know, that one rocket that he sends up should be the one that. But then how does he save Lois? That, that's the thing. It, well, well, does Lois I, have I, to? Yeah. Look, I don't know what. I, I don't know how you fix it. It's fucked up. I feel like the original ending was just that he managed to, whatever speed he found that turned the planet backwards is the speed he found that let him get to both rockets. Gotcha. Then th- th- let, let's just do that, please. And, and but of course, in this version, instead of the rocket breaking the phantom zone and letting him out. It's actually that football he kicks back and smells. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that really came back to haunt him. Oh, no. Nice. Uh, Colin, who's the actor having the most fun? Wow. You know, I mean, I'm tempted to say Gene Hackman, except I kind of feel like Gene Hackman probably wasn't having that much fun. <laughs> yeah, he didn't seem like, yeah. I, it feels like Gene Hackman probably was like, there's a lot of money here. Um <laughs> I kind of, I kind of, I mean, I think it has to be Christopher Reeve. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, I think he loves playing this. So I gotta tell you, oh, I no. actually no, I, I, so I get it, but I, my, where you started is where I ended. I think Gene Hackman is having fun. I think he is, he is chewing the scenery, like, oh yeah. He, the Absolutely. Luthor is so over the. Now listen, I don't know how he got to this point, but once he's in there. Like he's just so smarmy and just delightful to watch. So we talked about the Rotten Tomato score, ninety three percent for this movie. Yeah, Colin, your grade for this movie, number or letter? What do you think? I have a deep and abiding love for this movie. I have to come in a little under Rotten Tomatoes, assuming that most of those Rotten Tomatoes reviews that are being factored in there were written at the time the film came out. Yeah. I do think there are a few elements that haven't aged so well. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about some of a lot of the things surrounding Miss Tessmacher. We didn't mm. even get to basically the only speaking role for a person of color, which is the pimp who comments. Oh, on Jesus. I forgot oh, about that. Taking into account that and 
some of the comic tonal issues that plague the last third, but having basically a perfect for me, first two thirds, mm-hmm. I think it's a, a solid 90. I'm right there. I'm at a 92. Yeah. How is this possible? I'm at a 90 as well. Yay! I take, you, you know, for me, for me, it's it's the ending, right? The ending, it falls down in that la- uh-huh. those final steps. Which Literally so the sad. last 10 minutes of the film. Yeah, it falls but down. Everything up to that is beautiful. Yep. Except a, for, you know, Miss Ta- Tessmacher is boobs. It helps that we all know, like, that wasn't the ending of the film. Sure. And they were improvising in the last minute. And, yeah. and I think we're probably all, as Todd suggested at the beginning, Grading on a bit of a curve, being like, you know, they were inventing not only the flying effects, but how to make a superhero movie that wasn't goofy. Yeah. And they did they a were, great job. They were inventing that idea and they did it really well. Yep. Agree. Agree. I 100% agree. All right. So, Dad's breakdown. Yeah. So, so Colin, all three of us are, are fathers. So, we are often asked, and this is a new segment since the last time you joined us, we're often yeah. asked, hey, can I watch this movie with my kids? So your thoughts, you know, kids of any age, is there a cutoff? What do you think? How does this movie stand up in terms of family friendly? Uh, my kid is two and three quarters years old. So no, he's not going to watch this. No. But yeah, when he's like six or seven, this, you know, that's about the time I probably found this movie. And I, I, I don't think there's anything, all the smutty Miss Tessmacher stuff and even the how big are you in the, the interview yeah. goes straight over a kid's head. It's double on time. Yeah. Sure. What is the movie actually rated? PG? PG. PG. Yeah. It was before the invention of PG-13, but sure. I don't think it would, would earn it even if it had been available. No. Right. Yeah, There's no objectionable a, think, language. Uh, no, I think it's a it's a, it's a a pretty great movie for introducing kids to superheroes. So, Casey, you've talked about the Beans uh, <laughs> perspective Yeah, on that's this. the only thing is that, like, maybe the pacing of this movie might not work for... Uh, the Woog and the Beans generations. Sure. That they're just going to be like, why is things taking so long? I'm like, well, it's called but, establishing but a character. Because it, it so neatly breaks down into three films, you could almost show it like a serial. That's true. Mm. Like, watch a bit, then a bit, then I might watch Krypton, watch Smallville, watch Metropolis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think that is the risk, and especially in terms of if you if you compare this movie to another movie or a modern superhero movie. The question of keeping their interest is real. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that if you had an especially sensitive child, Lois's death at the end is very, it's right in front of you. So if you had a sensitive child, that might be one of those look away, you know, yeah. Or just the whole time going, she's going to come back. Sure. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. Superman knows how to turn. You know, Princess Buttercup doesn't die here. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So now on to our final segment of the night. <sighs> Listen, Bob, if you could do the honors. And now it's time to pick the next movie from Thor's Helmet. Thank you, Bob. Okay. So I just want to say this is yet again another fucking DC movie. <laughs> All I want, just give me fucking Iron Man, please. So, Colin, through the magic of the Bifrost, we are going to send you Thor's helmet right now for you to be able to pick. Here it comes. All right. You got it? Got it. All right. So, So, Colin. So, just just, please, just come on, man. Just (laughs) come on, man. Just give me Iron Man. All right. I've always respected you. I appreciate what you bring to this podcast. Okay. Here it is. 
Yeah. She's alive, damn it. She's alive, damn it. She's alive, damn it. Unbreakable. Oh, unbreakable. Oh, nice pull with the Kimmy Schmidt. Nice. Yeah, that was brilliant, by the way. Oh, I'm not upset about this one. I love this movie. It it ain't DC and it ain't Marvel, but it's it's a damn good movie. Oh, God, it's so good. You know, so we've talked about the fact that Hollywood should stop making origin movies. And I would suggest the reason they should stop making origin movies is M. Night Shyamalan made the definitive origin movie. 100%. You're done. Um, well, and, this... and it's now made, what, the greatest stealth shared universe ever? <sighs> yes. God, that movie's so good. Wow. Okay. Um, so, Todd, Colin, let's watch that trailer. Are you ready for the truth? I believe comic book heroes walk the earth. I believe you're one of those individuals. Just an ordinary man. No, you're not. Why do you keep saying that? It's hard for many to believe there are extraordinary things inside themselves. Don't worry. I'm not telling you what. It's alright to be afraid, David. Because this part won't be like a comic book. Bad is winning. Listen, I fucking, I fucking love this movie. This, this is like, so in this movie, Bruce Willis has that affect of I don't care about life that he has now just adopted in all of his (laughs) movies. In this movie, we were all like, oh wow, that's really good acting from Bruce. And now we're just like, oh, he just doesn't give a shit. He's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you though, guys, you know in my role as a listener and not a guest, I am always excited for sort of these left field thing. Like when you guys are doing a big DC or a big Marvel movie, it's one thing and it's, it's exciting. But when you're doing these more out of left field genre experiments that fit into superhero, it's great. Oh, these are the ones that, these are the ones I like. I, yeah. I feel like we, I feel like we're really going to go deep on this one. <gasps> That's what she said. Oh. <laughs> All right. So what do you think? Now, again, it's not a grade for the movie, but mm-hmm. the Rotten Tomatoes score, the critics score, the percentage of positive reviews. Mid to high 80s. Colin, thoughts? I'm thinking that's probably right. Yeah, I think it. I think it's not a movie that people love, but I'm betting it, it definitely, like, clears 85 would you believe 69%? What? Wow. I feel like this is people going on afterwards. Wait, is that critics? That's the critics. The, that. the audience was better. The audience was 77. Really? Critics, Even? Wow. This critics was like was the 69. last. This well, was the remember, be- remember that this, this was after Sixth Sense. And I think I, a lot of people attributed a sophomore slump where I don't think it happened. No, I don't. I don't either. Yeah, I think this. I think this holds up better than Six Sense does. Your junior year slump in signs. Sure, a hundred percent. Right. I, so I wonder, like, will people have to regrade the movie when you bring in Split and eventually Glass, which the first movie posters are out and for it Glass. Looks amazing. Looks amazing. Yeah, so when, is, when does Glass come out? Next year. January eighteenth, twenty nineteen. Oh shit! It's so very soon. early. Yeah, yeah. Woohoo! Awesome. 
So should we be worried they're dropping it in January? No, uh, no, I okay. no, no, because it's not about dumping grounds. That's about trying to replicate how what because that's when a uh, split was in the dumping grounds and it was a massive surprise. Fucking James McAvoy. Well, McAvoy, McAvoy sold that movie. Mac McAvoy and um, Anna Taylor Joy. By the way, if anyone hasn't seen Split. Complete spoilers for Split. It's the same universe. It's the same universe. It's unbreakable. That's right. Sorry. That's right. Because that was it doesn't ru- ruin the plot. I mean, so it's okay. You know what? It's, it actually made me was, watch the I movie. Was, I was spoiled on Split, and it still is a great movie. All right. So, uh, gentlemen, that's been a movie. That's been a movie. Colin, yes, it has. where can people find you on the social medias, should you wish oh, to be the found? social medias. Yeah. Uh, on the Twitter, I am at uh, Roll of Colin Ryan. Uh, and I'm not on Instagram because I still don't understand. <laughs> it's pictures. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I I feel like I found pictures elsewhere on the internet, but um, <laughs> that's just me. No, uh, and and I, at this point, I feel like anything anybody you know puts up on Instagram shows up on Facebook and Twitter too. But uh, yeah, you can find me there, and uh, you can follow anything else at uh, uh, ColinRyan.info. Right. And uh, yeah, that's that. Excellent. Uh, Casey, where can you be found on the interwebs should you wish to be found? On Instagram, I am not dot Ryan Casey. On Twitter, I am not Ryan Casey. Todd, where can people yes. find you should you wish to be found on uh, the interwebs? I write about a variety of topics, geeky and non, at my website, tmpinsyr.com. Mm-hmm. I am on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at tmpinsyr. And of course, for all things Superpod Hero Cast related, we recommend you check out our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Superpod Hero Cast, and our website. So when this goes up, all the geeky shit we reference, you know, <laughs> we'll give you images, we'll give you links to videos, all the stuff that explains our little inside jokes. Go check it out. That is at tsphc.com. You can also contact us with reshoots, comments, whatever you want to tell us at superpodherocast at gmail.com. So that would be an email? Yes. Because only Cap writes letters. Tony. I, I, think- I tried to reference that the other day, and somebody, like, somebody said something about writing something, and, and I was like, well, only Cap writes letters. And they were like, what? Oh. Uh, <laughs> that, you, not- don't, you don't listen to that every two weeks. Do you? <laughs> That's right. Not a friend of the pod yet. That's, right. That's where you introduce them to the podcast. I, I tried to explain it, but it didn't, you know... Like any joke, you have to explain. You know, spe- always funny. <laughs> Speaking of friends of the pod, you know the social media love we've been getting lately. Awesome, we've yeah. been getting some reviews. Thank you. So here's our new challenge, right? So if you've Ooh. been if you've been listening to the podcast, if you enjoy the kind of stuff we bring you, we love it. This is a labor of love for us. Help us spread the word. So specifically, find one person that doesn't listen to us and say, "Hey, you like superhero movies? You like geeky shit? This is for you." Yeah. Share our posts on Facebook. Spread the word for us. That mm-hmm. is how we're going to grow this. And the more we grow this, the more you know, cool we the show shit this becomes. That's right. That's, uh, mm, okay. <laughs> on that note. Oh, all right. All right. So that'll do it for the Superpod Hero Cast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Colin Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. For Casey Ryan, I'm Colin Ryan. And I've been your moderator, Bob Brown. Be, Be heroic. heroic. Boom. Excellent. That's how wait, we do it. Wait, wait. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it like this. Okay. Heroic. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
episode 18. Wait, shit. It is. Uh, okay. uh, you got it. Okay. I'd be a redneck if no. Oh, no. <laughs> Listen, I, I feel like it's the Superman five. episodes are always going to be long. But it, this will not be five. It's the circle of life. Oh, All right. Technology. Are you recording this? I of course I'm recording this. Yes. <laughs> it's not my first time. Wait, recording. really? Yeah. Oh yes. I uh, the world's longest outtakes. Uh, we're one minute in, so so the last <laughs> minute we've got. Yeah. So yeah, there'll be something good for the outtakes there. Hello. That's weird, Colin. If you are hearing us, we are hearing nothing from you. Uh, zip. This is you know pretty high tech for a couple of guys that just. Got this going like Holy kind shit. of on a wing Logan, and a prayer. He's, literally calling. he's not playing around. Hello. Uh, hey. hey. Can you hear me? Yes. We can. Let me let me get your level up a little more. There were two surprise cameos in this movie. Uh I saw one. What was the other one? Oh, definitely three. I got three. Okay. All right. I got one, so this will be interesting. I think we have the same one. It's it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious, yeah. <laughs> when he's called by name. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, maybe not. Hang on. Oh my God, maybe there's four. Later, I love that you gestured. It. Yeah, it's yeah, it's almost. Well, I didn't. It I didn't all the way flop out. I started to move, but it was caught by my bodice. All right, hang on one second. Christian's uh, grabbing it. You need the the queso. It's in the back in the middle shelf. There's queso. I know. Oh yeah. Do you want some? No, I'm good. Can you send queso? <laughs> that's right. That's right. You good? Memo to me. Name you after our meeting with the fates. So an hour's in the can. All right. Yeah, that's what she said. Uh, hey oh. I don't I don't know where I was going with that. 